Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 113, 113. That's the, Michael, that's the magic, like, Pixar Lucasfilm number, isn't it? 113? Amazing thing to be back, and oh my gosh, this episode's going to be great, man. We have some great content headed your way. So, for those that don't know or didn't read the title and just blindly listen to our podcast, if you do, thank you. Um, this is... Oh, yeah. Every year, my favorite episode, in which case we blindly throw darts at the movie dartboard and see what sticks. Sometimes we're right. Like when I said that Spider-Man was going to join the MCU back in 2016 before Civil War, but he would still be a part of Sony. Or when Josh, two years ago, said that we would be getting a Static Shock movie. Uh, Other times, we're way off. Like when Josh said um, Tom Hardy would be leaving the role of... Um, Venom to be the MCU's Wolverine. Yeah, that's a no. Um, it's just fun to see. Normally, also, we would take a look back at last year's predictions, but um, given how 2020 went, we cannot be held responsible for our predictions on last year. So um, we still have some that might carry over from 2020, but um, I tried to start my list completely over. Michael, you've got a completely new list that you're working off of, but um, before we get into any of that, Michael, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing well. I, this is the second podcast I've recorded today, actually, and I'm very grateful to end my day uh, with this one. I, I want to let you know I need to go on. Just give me 30 seconds to rant here. I, I had the privilege of showing one of my good friends at Galaxy Quest not, not two days ago, and... It's a movie that I remember seeing for the first time. It was one of the very first films I saw in theaters. Let me just put it this way. It, it's a perfect film. I, I, I have movies that I like more, but I will tell you there is not one scene that is wasted. And I was looking at it from a critical eye. I was quoting it with my other friend, and we were laughing. But as I look back over it, there's not one scene that is wasted, not one scene that is useless or that you need to cut. Everything is just perfect. It captures the genre. It captures the satire and and the drama as well. The real the real drama that's in it. And actors are giving it a hundred percent. The script is amazing. It has iconic, you know, uh, iconic score and lines. It's anything you can want in a movie. And for me, it's actually a perfect film. And that's that's all I have to say about that. So is that what you've been watching lately? Yes, that's. That's all the only thing I've been watching lately. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I watched two movies and I've caught them, kind of been caught up in something else. Uh, I was like, okay, it's like the 4th or the 5th of January. I'm like, I'm getting tired of having not seen anything new. I'm falling behind in terms of new movies. So I watched uh, Deathstroke, Knights and Dragons on HBO Max. It's one of those animated DC movies. It's fine. Not one of their better ones. It. It's very cheaply made looking. Like, it was still fine, but the animation was definitely a big step backward for most of their stuff, which is normally pretty good home video release-wise. But more importantly, we watched uh, The Man from U.N.C.L.E. with Henry Cavill and Army Hammer. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, did you... Have you seen that one, Michael? I I saw that in theaters. I I went and saw that with my dad because my dad remembered remember the tv show i didn't realize it was a tv show so my dad wanted to go see the movie because it reminded him of his childhood and we had a blast it's a it's a crime that this movie didn't do well 
financially because I thought it was one of the better movies I saw the year that it came out, whatever year that was. Well, I can see why it didn't make its money back. I'm not saying it's bad. I don't think it deserved to make a lot of money, though, because I think Henry Cavill can do no wrong, and he is the best thing about this movie. Oh, my God, was Army Hammer miscast in this movie. Like, he's not wrong. He is so bland and boring. And I like Alicia Vikander, but I didn't quite get her character in this movie also uh i watched that the recommendation of my parents who watched it via our voodoo account and she's just like i thought henry cavill was tall i was like he is why everyone else in this movie dwarfs him henry cavill is 6'1 and he's the smallest person in this cast um that has nothing to do with the quality movie it was just i don't know i don't think it was one of guy Ritchie's better it's not king arthur bad that's a whole other stank that i still have not washed off um, oh my! But it, I was disappointed with it because there's people like you and a lot of other people that have hyped it up for so long. Of it's a really underrated gem. It's not awful, but I think it it fell to the wayside, kind of, frankly, because it deserves to. It's not awful, but it is very by the numbers, and it does one of those like a we're setting ourselves up for a sequel. Ten people saw you in theaters. You're not getting a sequel, guys. Um, yeah. Like I loved Henry Cavill, and I thought he was so. Um, he, just Henry Cavill, just charming and fun, but literally everyone, every single person in this movie has the wrong accent and they're fighting against it. The whole movie of Henry Cavill is just letting his British accent slip, even though he's supposed to be American army hammers, letting his American accent slip when he's supposed to be Russian and Alicia Vikander is doing whatever it accents are all across the board. I thought there was one too many plot twists like the, there's too many twists, and that's kind of a Guy Ritchie thing of every once in a while there will be scenes that are shot out of order, but you don't know they're out of order until later. And well, it's just like, eh. Um, however, I might be taking a break from watching m- new movies for a while because Heather and I have found a new series, new series that we've been watching for the past week or so. Uh, it's this little indie show, only ran for about 10 years, called Smallville. Oh my. Uh, you have you have begun the adventure, huh? So I I more or less know the destination of Smallville. I've seen bits and pieces of the later seasons. I know it is good when he is still in Smallville. Once he ages out of that and goes to Metropolis, they're going, well, crap. We can't make him Superman because he has a no flights, no tights contract. Um, what do we do here? So far... We're only like halfway through season one. I really, really like it because uh, I like that era of Superman, of just a uh, country boy in Smallville, the good old boy. I really like it. Although Heather and I like to poke fun of how early 2000s it is. Like the very first episode closes with a Lifehouse song. I'm like, oh, yep, this is early 2000s. Oh, or like the oversaturization of everything, of like everything's really red and orange. Um, I will say by far... This is the best Pa Kent we've ever gotten. John Schneider is fantastic as Jonathan Kent. I love him so much. Like, he's stern when he needs to be, but I still get the sense that he's a loving father. Um, and also, he doesn't advocate that Clark just lets people die. Kevin Costner. Um, what what platform are you watching it on? Uh, it's actually on Hulu. Oh, it's on Hulu. Okay. Is, is that is that a, is that a subscription base worth having? Because that's the one, the one I don't have. 
I don't watch Hulu a ton. Heather watches it more than I do because there's a lot of her programs that I believe she watches This Is Us on Hulu. That might be okay. moving over okay. to Peacock. Um, Hulu is definitely better than some other ones. I think content-wise, there's better options on HBO Max, but Hulu has their crap together more than HBO Max does. Okay. So, like, there, there's a reason there's a the trinity. There's Netflix, Disney+, and Hulu. That's that's the top three right there. So if you can only have three streaming services, I'd say Hulu. Get it. But if you don't, I don't necessarily know if there's a whole lot to bring you specifically in. But it's not bad. It's a good option to have. It's one of the cheaper ones, I think. Um, so yeah, we'll be going through Smallville for a while. Because we were kind of thinking it'd be on HBO Max. Because it's, you know, Superman. But it's on Hulu, I guess. So we'll stick with that for the time being. Now, real quick. Do you... I, the the theater locally here in my area just opened back up, which I, I was unaware of until this point. So I had to ask you, and for the sake of the other listeners who haven't taken the plunge maybe into HBO Max yet or haven't had an opportunity to get out, uh, I don't want to sign up for HBO Max just to watch Wonder Woman. And I've already bought all the Aaron Sorkin stuff that I want to buy, so I don't have a reason to sign up for that. Is it worth paying $7 to go see it in the theater? Uh, excuse me, Wonder Woman 84. Uh, I should probably, instead of having you read my mind, is it worth paying $7 or $8 to go see it in theater? No. Oh, wow. Oh, man. I didn't realize it was that bad. Have you watched it more than once? I have no desire to see this movie ever again. Oh, no. Uh, my coworker said it's basically a rom-com. Is that even remotely accurate? Okay, I'm going to um, I'm gonna wave my hands. Wave my hands for those people at home. I'll wave my hands again at the end. I'm going to give a light, very, very light spoiler warning to Michael to explain something that why people might say it's a rom-com. So obviously we know from the trailers that Steve Trevor comes back. In the movie, it's established that there's this wishing stone that grants your wishes. It can make things appear or happen. So when Steve Trevor comes back, for some godforsaken reason, his soul inhabits the body of somebody else. They literally body nap somebody else. And immediately have sex with that body. We see it as Chris Pine. But it's somebody else. They've kidnapped the soul of somebody else. They've body napped him. Instead of, you know, just making Chris Pine appear out of nowhere. Because that's something the stone can do. It's established not even a couple minutes later. So I'm just going, I know we're supposed to find this cute and romantic. But you've literally kidnapped some poor person's body without them ever noticing or realizing it. So, um... Yeah, and wave my hands. We're done with the spoilers. Yeah, that was just a weird choice that they made. So it's a horror movie. Okay, well, that uh, that's great. Horror movie in more ways than one. It's a horror uh, that, of okay. a movie. It's it's really <laughs> not that bad. It's not Captain Marvel bad, but I have no desire to see this to see Wonder Woman again anytime soon. Um, well, and I wouldn't say I Captain Marvel twice. <laughs> I wouldn't say sign up for HBO Max just to see it. I actually wouldn't say sign up for HBO Max period because while i still think it's pretty decent there is more than a few bugs that they've got to work out before i think it's a good service like it's still super super laggy it's got a lot of performance issues at best you can watch it on hd they're like we can watch it in 4k there's like five or six devices that can actually show Wonder Woman 84 on 4k and that's the only movie so far so not really worth it in that aspect um the collections are kind of weird of like if you want to find something specific like on Netflix or Disney Plus, the recommended for use are so much better than HBO Max's, which just kind of says, here's our new stuff instead of tailoring to your tastes. Um, gotcha. Okay. 
as a whole, I think HBO Max has potential. It's like a really good cake recipe. The ingredients are all there, but somebody didn't follow the directions and severely undercooked this thing way before it was ready to come out. So it could have been something great, and it probably still could be if you just put it back in the oven. But uh, yeah, they're not doing that. Okay. Well, thanks for the feedback. Those are some questions I had uh, for you since our last week's episode, stuff that's presented itself uh, to me. And uh, considering where we're headed with our next story, it's also a question I wanted to ask you, man, because I know this next story hurts. (sighs) Hurts. I am not going to lie to you guys at home or to Michael. When I saw this, and I saw this at work, and so on my drive home from work, I am man enough to admit, I definitely cried pretty hard at this. Um, And some of you, most of you out there, this is no big deal whatsoever, and you're kind of wondering why we're leading off our news with this, (laughs) because some people don't even know what this is or why this matters at all. Um, But family video... I'll get into it in a bit, but Family Video is the reason the Uncharted Media Podcast exists, period. But for those that don't know, uh, Family Video was basically a video rental store, a lot like Blockbuster, except cheaper um, and still around until recently. But unfortunately, due to COVID, Family Video was closing a lot more and more locations. And uh, a few days ago, they officially shuttered all their doors and Family Video is closed for good they are closing all their locations never to open again they said they're still gonna have their online store but it's not quite the same so for that i've got i've got my family video shirt on today that i got a while ago to try and this is before everything went to hell with family video um so Michael, I'm sure you don't have as fond of memories as me, but I'm sure you still have plenty of memories because um, it's going to be hard to quantify just how much family video has meant to me. And I know so many people are out there just like, I've never even heard of this place. It is a very Midwest thing, but we went to college in Illinois and there's a whole lot of family videos. And there was a family video, maybe what would you say, maybe half a mile away from campus? Yeah, if, if that. Um, and so I don't even think Michael knows this. Um, and I'm totally fine with talking about this, but, um, freshman year, Michael and I were on the same floor in college, but before we were friends, I didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, there was a lot of, and I'll say it to their face. There was a lot of hypocrites on our floor that said one thing, but then excluded a lot of people. Um, so I didn't have a lot of friends. I dreaded the weekends because it meant you had all this free time and no one to hang out with. So I look forward to school week until I found family video and I just kind of live there because it was like going to an old blockbuster you just walk up and down the aisles oh, and yeah. see all these movies um I spent so much money there over the years but I don't want to take back a single dollar of that um we had RAs that worked there uh the management there knew us so we never even had to put security deposits down for anything because they knew us so well and they trusted us um it's just rough to see that this is gone. I have a lot more to say, but I want to make sure I include Michael in this because you're one of the few people out there that I know has strong feelings and connections to this as well. 
Yeah, I'll say yours runs a, a little bit more you know, personal because of your connection to this podcast. For me, it was the last surviving remnant of the store that you mentioned, Blockbuster. Uh, for me, Blockbuster and Family Video were more my connection to video games because I, I didn't, we didn't have a whole lot growing up as far as access to uh, like games because games are expensive. And you know, Blockbuster and Family Video were easy ways to check check them out to see if you actually like them, so that you could save up your allowance to actually buy the game. It was like a it was a cheap way of getting your parents to uh, give you something to do for a little bit for not a lot of money. But it was also special in the fact that once my parents had a VHS tape a player, we could go to Blockbuster, and that was instead of going to the movies, which was always maybe a two or three times a year thing. We could go to Blockbuster. We can enjoy a, a, a movie together as a family, and it was the it was the '90s, early 2000s version of immediate gratification, right? So if you missed a, a film in theaters, you could just go to Blockbuster and hope and hope that they would have like a, a wall of the same movie and not just like one one set, and then all of them were all checked out. I mean, I know for the people that may listen to this, if the movie wasn't available, you couldn't watch it. It, you had to wait until someone checked it back in. And when we went to college, you know, not having access to a lot of streaming, I, I visited Family Video independent from you, but I also did it for some gaming. And once I got connected with you, oh, yeah. we I've got together. a gaming story to tell too. <laughs> yeah. Once you introduced me to some of your friends, we went on the Family Video runs together. You get like eight movies and we, you'd watch them over the course of a weekend. And you introduced me to a lot of series that we that you rented from Family Video. So it, it's a nostalgia trip. It, it's a harkening back to an age that is going away very quickly. And I, I sympathize with you, Nate. I, I really do. This is... This is a goodbye old friend moment, and uh, I'm right there with you. You're not alone in this. Yeah, so like Michael talked about, we would make a lot of family video runs. Like, if I didn't have a family video movie at some point in my possession, whether needing to return it or just picked one up, it was weird. Like, I always had some form of a movie checked out or a game. I remember um, it was the only place you could rent games. I remember, like... Going to Family Video right when it opened at 10 o'clock. I always remembered it was open at 10. The day Arkham Origins came out to get Arkham Origins before anybody else so I could rent that and play it. I promptly mm-hmm. returned it three days later because I couldn't get past the stupid Deathstroke fight. And I rented it <laughs> four separate times to try and beat the Deathstroke fight. Um, but Family Video is so special to me, like I said... Um, because it was my safe haven when I didn't really know a lot of people in college yet. Um, but also, it fostered my love of film. Like, um, I loved movies my entire life. That's always been a part of my life. But I just never really realized or made the connection that I could do that for a living or do something with video. So, I remember I had a stack of five or six movies one family video run. Because... I was all by myself and had nothing better to do and just watch movies. And so I watched Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And was something about that movie went this. This is what I need to do the rest of my life. And so I remember texting my mom going, I'm watching Wrath of Khan and I know what I want to do with the rest of my life. I need to do something with movies. And she's like, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> just from there, um, like you said, we went to family video all the time. It would be Family Video and uh, Little Caesars because they were right next to each other. So you'd 
just basically set your evening up for like nine bucks because you get your pizza mm-hmm. and your movies and then marathon everything. Like you said, you we'd get like eight or nine movies. We'd marathon the crap out of it. Um, so it's no secret as I have my Halloween poster here. I genuinely don't think that I am either a Halloween fan or a horror fan if there's no family video. Because we went uh, and picked up the first one because uh, Cody Manning, one of my friends from college, um, was like, you've got to see Halloween. That's just a classic. I watched it every Halloween. So it's just like, oh, okay. So after we watched the first one, I was like, oh, well, there's more. We've got to watch the whole series. And so we watched the entire thing. And then from there, we're like, oh, we've got to watch Sinister or 14 away. And so we went on this whole horror binge and I discovered this whole, it was like striking oil in the middle of nowhere, just going, there's this whole world that I didn't even know about. Um, or um, before I was really doing the podcast or anything else, I started, uh, what was it? Movie Guy 17 it was the first name of the YouTube channel. And I started that because I was just experiencing a big love of movies. And so something I did with Josh in the very early days, and we still kind of want to bring back at some point, was Five Good Things. The only way we were able to do Five Good Things is because we were able to find these older, crappy movies at Family Video. Um, Without Family Video, I don't discover horror. I don't have Five Good Things. I probably don't get as close with Josh as I am now. Um, There's just a lot of memories And I don't know if I am the person I am today without family video. Like, it's weird to say because it's just a video store to a lot of people. And it it just sounds like hyperbole, but family video hit me at just the right point in my life that I needed it the most and left a huge impact. I This was a foregone conclusion. As soon as I saw stores were closing, I was like, this probably will happen, but it still doesn't soften the blow any. And it sucks because this is such an old school thing. I'm such an old fashioned person of, I like to physically shop for stuff. If I can find it in person, I'd much rather do that than Amazon or whatever else. And this was just, it wasn't so much a specifically looking for a certain movie every time. It was, let's discover something. Because it's it's different discovering a movie in a store as opposed to, oh, I've heard this title on Netflix is pretty good. Let's check it out. it's not yeah. the same. It's not. It's... it's not the same. You're you're 100 right, and I will I will say that you know I, I saw that like I saw the fire in your eyes be kindled, and it wasn't you know not to my desire or liking because I remember the night you said you were going to watch Sinister, and, and it was one of those nights that you guys took over the study room, uh, which was many many weekends. Oh, no, nope, nope. watch it. Sinister was in Cody and Dan's room. Oh, was it? Okay. Because I will... because I remember. During Sinister, somewhere, there's like seven or eight of us in this tiny dorm, and somebody decides during a really tense moment that they decide to scare Josh. And if you don't know Josh, he has a flight or fight reflex. So Nezlo, like does one of those, and Josh jumps a mile in the air and decides to just start wailing on Nezlo for scaring the crap out of him. And it was the most entertaining thing I have ever seen to see Josh literally crap himself. Uh. That was uh, yeah. That that's a movie I, I don't think I'll ever watch. But I, I just uh, I remember I remember you talking about it. Like I remember that kind of awakening sophomore year. Those are some great memories, man, and, and stuff that you will always have. So nothing can take that away from you. But I, I guess officially, I I am sorry for your loss, pal. No other store like Toys R Us 
Sure, that's more of like a death to nostalgia. But to be honest, Toys yeah. R Us was always overpriced and they deserved death a long time ago anyway. <laughs> but Family Video, it it's just especially sucky. I've just like because yeah. we had a wedding that Heather and I went to a few months ago and it was a road trip and all the way back we're like we're gonna pass some family videos but it's like three hours out of our way I really wish we would have taken that chance just to mm. go one more time but at least we have photographic proof of the last time Heather and I went to a family video so um yeah goodbye family video you'll be sorely missed thank you for shaping me into who I am today without you I'm a completely different person, but I'm glad of who I am because of Family Video, so thanks for that, Family Video. Now, we also put Family Video news at the beginning so that I can emotionally build myself back up throughout the show. <laughs> so, Family Video may be closing, but something that might be reopening, thankfully, is the movie theaters, as Regal has seemingly put out a statement saying that they hope to open by March-ish... Uh, they also said in their statement that it all depends on New York and California. Obviously, they're two biggest markets. They're hoping um, if everything goes back somewhat normal or more stability by March, that Regal is hoping to open. Um, this is good. This is some semblance of getting back to normalcy. Um, I think Regal has been so late to reopening because they don't need to rush things like an AMC does or I don't know if Cinemark needs to or not uh, but Cinemark and AMC have been open this whole time for most of the pandemic because financially they just need to especially AMC uh, through no fault of its own um, whereas Regal I think has had some wiggle room so to speak um, maybe March is a good time I, I just don't know the landscape is so ever changing um Michael, do you think Regal will be open by March? Do you see that being a reasonable estimation? Uh, potentially. So the the famous Regal Theater that I go to is when I visit my uncle uh, every year at Thanksgiving, and obviously that was not the case this year. But uh, when I when I talk with him, and he's a avid moviegoer, uh, just as much as you are, Nate. He goes to the movies more than I do. And he's lamented at, at this this closing because that's the big theater in his area, and it, it's a beautiful theater with plenty plenty of actual screens. And I have a lot of fond memories there. And so knowing that Ohio is where he is at, they're, they're just as restrictive as Michigan, uh, but their their cases have been a little bit less. So I think you know when I when I picture Regal, I try to put a face on it, and I'm trying trying to think of where Ohio has been and where they could potentially be in two and a half months or so. I'm actually optimistic. I think that's a realistic goal, and considering that theaters in my area are actually opened, albeit with safety precautions being taken into account, uh, I'm, I think this is going to be good news. I don't think this is being blown out of proportion. I think there's reason for optimism. I do not think this is unrealistic and, and us just looking at the glass half full regardless of our circumstances. I think this is an educated guess. And I think there's some, some stats behind it. So with the vaccine's rolling out, and that's now two months away, I think people uh, will be will be comforted, one, knowing that they're going to be reopened. I think people will have confidence in going back. So uh, it seems about right to me. Yeah, and I've always said um, since theaters started reopening during the pandemic that of all 
stores or um, locations, I would think a movie theater is one of the safer options out there because you can tell and limit how many people are in your area. I've, I've said it before, I'll say it a thousand times. I feel safer in a movie theater than I do in a grocery store because I can limit how far I I can control how far away I am from someone else. I trust the people cleaning it. Uh, since they have specific times for movies, we know that they set aside time to clean things as opposed to a uh, grocery store. Well, I hope they cleaned it within the past 30 minutes to an hour, but I don't know. Um, like, there's one theater, my favorite theater by us, that, like, even before COVID hit, that was, like, the ideal theater to go to because even without COVID, you're so spaced out from every other seat already. Um, so, yeah, I think... The theaters really, really need this. Um, it's just a matter of will they have anything new to show because I don't even know if they if they open in March, if there'll be anything for them to show, um, as we'll talk about probably next week because we couldn't fit it in this very, very busy week. But Morbius just got moved to October from March. So um, we haven't had any delays in a little bit because everyone's just kind of holding steady. Um, yeah. We might be in for a second wave of movie theater delays or release delays for big projects, but it, it, there's just so much uncertainty, and I think there will continue to be for the next month or two. Um, it, there's just a lot of unknown variables, I think, to factor in here. Mm-hmm. It's gonna it's getting to a point because of how long this has played out. It's gonna. I mean, I, I I'm confident that things will get back to like a regular movie going, and I'm still confident. Uh, with the market, it's one. It's going to be something I'm teasing for later. It's going to feel surreal, and whatever that first movie that drops that's readily accessible, whenever that time frame is, man, is that going to strike gold? It's probably even if it's a bad movie, I wonder if it's actually going to do really well financially. Well, uh, see, I kind of think the opposite of. Um, I think a movie in November or December will do a lot better than a movie in June or July. I think. People need distance to feel more safe. Like, there will be people that I'm sure that will go to a theater. But if they said uh, Black Widow is coming out in June as opposed to Black Widow coming out in December, I think Black Widow does financially better in December than it would in June. So, um, I haven't really nailed down it like my top box office movie of the year for 2021. But my money is on something that's probably going to come out in the tail end of the year as opposed to say, in April or in May, where it may have more legs to build up its box office, but it may still not be the strongest, because we thought Tenant was going to do well, because it was unopposed at the box office, and it didn't do very well. So, it I could see both sides to it. Um, yeah, it's... it. There's just so many complicated variables for... Sure. People smarter than me to try and figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's dependent upon. You know, it's a market-driven thing. It depends on how good the movie is and how safe people feel they will be, because a lot can change in a half a year. But we've seen that, uh, of course. So if if restrictions ease up because of just one consumer confidence, but also overall health measures, especially in the summer, uh, I, I could see people once. Once that dam breaks, I, I see it actually happening pretty quickly uh, because at that point it would be 18 months of potential like lockdowns almost. And I think 
once you get a handle on and where people you know put their confidence you know put their confidence in, uh, confidence in the health uh, side of things and they can see the results uh, considering you know I know plenty of friends who've actually had access to the vaccine already and that that's what they believe they need to do then they have access to it now and I think that's only going to be helpful for later I don't think we have to wait to December but Here's the thing, is we get to find out. That's what I'm so happy about. We will get to find out with movie theaters. We don't have to guess anymore. I just want to get back to some form of a new content happening. But also, um, even if we're not watching new content, I just want new content to be actively on the way. Not just, this thing yeah, has been announced. Because sure. like, I feel like for the past few months on the podcast, like we've had stuff to talk about, thankfully. But we've been like drip Fed, like this week, yeah. there's not a lot to talk about. Like our last news topic, there's not a lot to talk about there, but there's enough. So like, I want stuff to be, I want trailers. I miss trailers, set photos. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Just, just news in general. That's, that's what I miss just as much as the movies. Um, I know general population likes movies and as you should, but I like just all facets of movies, releases, the good, the bad, um, the Michael, um, <laughs> no no offense to michael he's a good looking dude um but like everything i want the the movie scoops i want the leak set pictures i want the announcements the trailers i miss trailers so much and if uh, regal opening in march helps a little bit make it so i just i just want new stuff again yeah well, I, I could couldn't agree more well Michael, you said six months could change a lot of things. Um, that's definitely the case when it comes to Deadpool. Um, for a while there, we've said that there is no way that Deadpool is coming to the MCU because he's such a hard R character. And, well, guess we're wrong about that. As Kevin Feige himself, the head cheese of all of Marvel has come out and said in an interview that, yes, Deadpool 3 is happening. It probably won't be filming until 2022 because he said Ryan Reynolds is busy. I buy that. He is super, super busy. But he said Deadpool will, in fact, be rated R. Not That is kind of surprising, but not as surprising as he says Deadpool will be in the MCU. I don't know if I fully buy that in a technical sense, but um, I'll double back to that in a little bit here but um before i get into that michael you see ken feige potentially changing his mind on deadpool um just what do you make of this whole idea that deadpool is staying r but staying in the mcu well that would certainly be a shock to what that what we would have considered prior however if we trust kevin feige then I'd have to ask the question, do we trust Kevin Feige? Is there, or is this a question of, uh, is it a bad idea? I, from, my, from an original audience is staying faithful to the character, no, not at all. So the question is, would you rather a studio stay faithful to the character they, that, that has been built so far, or would you want them to make it more palatable and accessible to a wider audience? That's, that's a legitimate question back to you, Nate. I don't think they're compromising anything. And I think this, it's going to sound weird, but um, I'm saving my tinfoil hat for later. I will actually break out the tinfoil hat. Um, 
I think this ties directly into WandaVision and Spider-Man 3 and into the Multiverse of Madness. And here's why. I think WandaVision will kill the MCU, but will birth the MCM, what I'm calling it. The Marvel Cinematic Multiverse. I think we're going to see the death of one universe where everything lives... And we're, they're going to do what DC's doing with the Flash movie of a multiverse. Like Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Spider-Man's over here. The Fox X-Men happened over in this planet. And Deadpool is over here. So technically, he is in the ether of the MCU over on this other world. And then if we need him for an Avengers story, we can have Doctor Strange portal him over here the main world but he still exists for his own solo stories in a different planet or a different earth that way you can still keep your r-rated storytelling and keep deadpool the way he is but you're not alienating those children that watch just marvel movies and should not watch deadpool because he's such an r character but you're not compromising the character of deadpool you can pick him out specifically for missions when you need him and then pluck him right back to the world that he came from i think we are about to see the birth of the multiverse in marvel like we're not gonna call it the mcu anymore at least to me we're gonna have this whole multiverse and maybe they'll go the whole route of everything marvel has happened at one point or another just not in the earth that we know it that had captain america and iron man and everything else like like i said there could be a fox world there could be a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man world there could be a Deadpool world that's slightly different than ours that when need be we can pull them into ours well well that's certainly something I didn't really consider I mean you don't have a history of being completely far off I just for me you know I haven't watched I mean I have no interest in watching WandaVision honestly I'm just not interested and the thing is if I don't watch that with the commitment of Kevin Feige, who has been, who is saying, you know, these are all going to be connected, it gets farther and farther from the average fan that says, I just want to go watch Iron Man 3. I just want to see a cool superhero movie. At what point are we going to have. If you want to watch a cool superhero movie, why are you watching Iron Man 3? I think I think it's better to give it credit for. Anyway, it's, I'm just saying. It's not that, awful, but it's disappointing. Uh, okay. Well, see, I didn't have any expectations for the Mandarin, unlike you. Okay, so okay. I, I wasn't even Mandarin twist aside, Aldrich Killian was a pretty terrible villain. Like <laughs> my dad and I have had this villain. argument before of I would not hate the Mandarin twist nearly as much as I do if he was replaced by an even better villain. Like, um Loki is fine in Avengers, but Thanos is a much better villain in the long term. Mandarin was an awesome villain that you were nailing, and then you completely poo-pooed it for just a generic, um, I'm evil with very vague powers villain. It just, it's a big step down. Also, you completely well, wasted the acting ability that is Ben Kingsley. Yeah, it's, I don't disagree with that point. I, I guess, I, I digress. But at what point is the average fan going to go and see a movie and be confused as what's going on because they don't have a Netflix account or they don't they or excuse me they don't have a Disney Plus subscription and they just want to go to a movie and now they're confused like at what point is it going to get to to that level of I didn't watch this episode I didn't watch this show I didn't watch it in order so I have no idea what's going on well I see I'll still disagree with you on that one because 
if you watch just the Avengers movies, and I'm sure there's people out there that just watch the big team up when everyone gas- gathers together. Sure. If you yeah. just watch the Avengers movie, you miss some character backstories, but I think you don't miss any of the narrative. They've done such a good job of keeping the story strong that even if you miss some of the in-between chapters, you can still follow the narrative, and I think that'll probably be what happens in the movies. Like, you can still follow what's happening with this multiverse saga. You might not get as much out of it. Like, Endgame rewarded the diehard fans, but the casual fan can still enjoy it, but you're not going to get all the deep-cut references that are in Endgame, if that makes sense. Um... Mm -hmm. Yeah, taking it back to Deadpool, I think it's interesting that they're changing this now. Um, maybe it's they're kind of spitballing a couple different suggestions because there's a bunch of different ways you could have done Deadpool within the MCU or just not have him in the MCU at all. I think this is kind of a like a compromise, so to speak. Um, and maybe it's their test run for if they have to do something with Spider-Man and they lose him, they just send him off to some other else world and then bring him back when they need to or get the rights back type of thing. Um yeah, this Deadpool thing is very interesting, and it seems like it just came out of nowhere. Um, it just makes me happy that Ryan Reynolds is still involved, because he is really the glue that has held the Deadpool franchise together. He's for sure the one that started it, when I'm positive that he's the one that leaked that um, that mock-up video all those years ago to get the first one even made. Um, if he does exist in the MCU proper, and like the actual 616 Earth... Do you see him ever teaming up with anybody else, or do you think that's a little too risky given his character? It's risky, but I think we mentioned this not a couple months ago. They could have him address the the fourth wall, or break the fourth wall, and actually being censored and, and talk about how it's being ridiculous. They could have fun with it. And by the way, that's not my, that's not my idea. For everyone listening, that was Nathan's idea. They sold yep. me on it. I would love to see that. So they have a way of making fun of it, having it make sense, and still be a part of a broader story while preserving the character at the same time, you have sold me on this. So if it doesn't happen, I'm also going to blame you, just for the record. And that's fine. You can blame me for whatever. Um, (laughs) Something else that's really important with this, though, is if Deadpools are, does this open the door to other R-rated characters in the MCU? Normally, I'm like, okay, it's a combo character. You don't necessarily have to make it R. But some characters, it might help them to be R, a.k.a. Blade or Ghost Rider. I don't care. Bring back Cage, dang it. Also, this is not the last time you'll hear the words Nicolas Cage mentioned today. Hint, hint. Um, I I don't normally advocate for R-rated superheroes. I don't see the point of it a lot of times. But Ghost Rider or Blade, if you told me that, oh boy, yes. Or... Moon Knight. There are some characters that definitely skew more towards R that I think would work. Um, I just want Ghost Rider done right this time, please, because he's so cool. And I love Cage, but you you done blew it. Yeah, that that is, it's not, yeah. Um, when it comes to Deadpool, I, I haven't, I, I still, like, I'm a little, I'm actually incredibly far removed because I have not, watched either of the movies i've just lived vicariously through you and josh's love for the character and Um, is somebody we've we've seen them i will i have never and nor will i ever say that deadpool is my favorite i think he's and here's i'm gonna lose half my audience i think deadpool is one of the most overrated comic book characters of all time and Uh i think a lot of people 
misinterpret what's cool about him or what's fun. Like, people would be like, he breaks the fourth wall. So when you see a lot of people pretending to be Deadpool, they, like, go over the top in stuff. I'm just like, he's kind of annoying at times. But he's still, Ryan Reynolds pulls it off. I actually like the second one better than the first one. But I'll never say Deadpool is my favorite franchise. It's it's enjoyable, nonetheless. Okay. Well, I, I, I know, I remember the night that you guys went to see it. And you guys came back. And you said you you had a good time, and so yeah, I mean I, I I've always I've always kept that aside, and uh, I just still haven't gotten around to watching it. Is all. It is fine. It is a franchise that I am happy to see continue more than anything else. It is, it is fine. I know there's a large large legion of Deadpool fans, so I'm more just happy for them. Mm-hmm. Now this next story is incredibly tricky and difficult to talk about because it's a lot of he said she said type of stuff that no matter where you sit on it we have to acknowledge that we don't know 100% of what happened we have some allusions to it but for the time being we don't know what happened and if you say we do then you're not wanting to see the whole picture here and you're just taking one clear side. Um, what I'm talking about is the Ray Fisher Warner Brothers thing. It's still going on. Um, I think it was a week or two ago, Ray Fisher came out and said, um, something, something, something. Um, I will no longer be associated with any projects that has Walter Amada still attached to it, who Walter Amada uh, just re-upped his contract with Warner Brothers. He's the head of Warner Brothers. He's still staying there for a while. So he's Ray Fisher, who was Cyborg in Batman vs. Superman and Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, some bad stuff happened on Justice League from some stories that we've heard. And some things may have happened to him. The details are a bit sketchy. I don't want to assume that I know what happened there. Um, if what happened is true, then screw everybody involved. Um but we don't know that because we haven't been made privy to it. It's not public knowledge yet. It was under investigation and everything else. Um, but now it seems like his version of Cyborg will no longer be in the Flash movie. And this has sparked a whole bunch of... He said, she said, with Ray Fisher and everything else. He's just like, they want to spin it that I never said this. But it's just like, you still have a tweet out there, Ray, that you said that you don't want to be in any Walter Hamada projects. So don't act surprised when they don't have you in a future project. It it just came across kind of odd. Now, I'm not blaming Ray Fisher at all. Again, I don't know what happened on the Justice League set. If bad things happened, like he was racially profiled or abused or anything else, he has every right to speak up. But we don't know, and he is not openly coming out with a lot of the stuff that's coming out here and it's just really it's a difficult thing because like there's some times that I think this person's in the right or this person's in the right and it's really difficult to talk about um I have my place that I'll I'll stand on things as currently um but it's a complicated matter as for a flash movie if Ray Fisher is this easily able to be removed from the project to me it means the cyborg was never going to be a huge character to begin with um 
I think the only reason he was in this movie is because in the CW crossover that Ezra Miller showed up in, he said something about Victor said this was possible before he disappeared. So, like, maybe uh, Cyborg helps him travel across the dimensions and everything else. It. I didn't think he was going to be a major role. This is more just just slinging mud at each other and it's just become a huge distraction for all parties involved and it's there's just a lot to break down with this and no one looks good ray fisher doesn't look good warner brothers doesn't look good coming out of this it's there's just a lot out of this but uh michael go for it yeah, was this something that I mean seemingly came out of nowhere? Because we we've heard the the issues with the Flash, but I've never heard anything about Cyborg having a, a, any sort of issues at all. Like this this came out of nowhere. Like this story today, I, were you following anything? Did you hear anything through back channels at all about this? So, um, the Flash, the Justice League thing has been going on for a while. That apparently, um, according to Ray Fisher. There are some bad things that happened on the set of Justice League. Now, he hasn't specified what those things oh, okay. were. Um, there's been mixed reports of um, some lighter things, like uh, Jeff Johns and Joss Whedon were bashing Zack Snyder and his vision of what he wanted to do with Justice League, and that's why they changed it to things more severe, like in post-production they were lightening Ray Fisher's skin tone so he wouldn't be as dark. Like, if that's the case, screw everybody involved. That's horrible. Yeah, but that's, again, that's we terrible. don't know. They uh, Warner Brothers went to an outside party for an investigation that involved 80 people. And um, they've said that they've dealt with everybody. My issue that it is is just like Warner Brothers seems like they're ready to move on with it. And Ray Fisher keeps going, I want justice, I want justice. Which is fine if we knew what he wanted justice for. But also... To what extent? Almost everyone involved with Justice League is gone. Um, at the time, which is another thing that doesn't quite make sense to me, but maybe I'm just missing some big details here. Um, the main target of his issues is Ray Fisher coming after Walter Hamada. Well, Walter Hamada took over for Warner Brothers in January 2018. Justice League came out in November 2017 under Kevin Sujahara. So, to what extent... Like, if you want justice for something that you feel you were wronged about, sure. But the parties that you're mad at seemingly aren't there anymore. Like, yeah. Joss Whedon mysteriously left the Batgirl project after Justice League finished. And I've said my part about that, that I never believed that there was a Batgirl movie. Uh, Kevin Sujahara is no longer with the company. John Berg is no longer with the company. The only one left is Jeff Johns, and we still have never gotten clear confirmation as to what happened if there is any action that needs to be taken against Ray Fisher or Jeff Johns. It's it's just ugly. Like, Warner Brothers seems very insistent on moving on, so maybe they're covering up something. It There's just a lot of we don't know, but now it's bleeding into other projects, so we need to talk about it. I've said my stuff about Flash before, of Cyborg's not the one that needs to leave. It's the woman chokeholding yeah. Ezra Miller that needs to leave. That's still a huge black eye that they need to address, at least acknowledge. But, you know, they also have Johnny Depp abusing Amber Heard still on staff for Aquaman 2. So clearly they don't have issues hiring crappy yeah. people. It, it, this, this screams of mismanagement and I guess just hearing what you have to say. 
It is it is the exact opposite of what Marvel has had. It, now I'm not saying Disney. I will say Marvel, uh, and it, it's more of a testament of how well Kevin Feige has handled his situation and the success. I mean, if you can't handle failure well, you're not going to handle success well. And DC's only tasted a little bit of it, and it just seems like every now and then they they throw something together that's great, and they get a little arrogant, and then something else happens. And it just seems like from the PR perspective, it's just an up and down roller coaster with DC. And it does not breed consumer confidence, even if they're making great films. Uh, that aside, it doesn't help behind the scenes. Uh, this this is something that's you know ongoing story. I'd be curious to see where this develops in the, in the next coming months uh, because this this caught me completely off guard, to be honest with you. Yeah, there's just a lot of facets to this, and. Again, there's a lot of variables. Maybe some horrible things did happen in Justice League. But on the, also on the flip side, Ray Fisher hasn't been in a lot of movies. So maybe he kind of, I don't want to say overreacting because we weren't there. Uh, but maybe he took something personal that wasn't a personal attack. Because he just isn't used to the film bubble as much as actors who have been in the sphere more. But again, he's the only black actor in the core Justice League cast, so maybe he experienced something different. Because the rest of his cast haven't really spoken a whole lot. It's really been his crusade against Warner Brothers. But then again, as a black male, he may have had a different experience than, say, the most white guy in the cast with Henry Cavill. He might have had a completely different experience. We don't know. But now it's just gotten so public and ugly that it's bleeding into future projects and yeah, it's can we just move past this DC? We had a good groove and then we're still digging up stuff from a few years ago. Like once we officially move past this ugly turmoil, I feel like we can get a fresh start on stuff, but it's easier said than done. Someone looking for a fresh start is Lucasfilm, which they seemingly have done with, the Mandalorian and all their upcoming shows for Disney Plus and everything. But one area that's been, hmm, I think controversial would be the right choice, is their video games as of late. Because, oh, Michael, you might remember, when did they enter their agreement with EA? Oh, this would have been 20, 2014, 2015. Okay. Uh, they because because thirteen thirteen was canceled right right around it was our first years like going into our second year of college and then the Battlefront game came out in twenty fifteen so I can look it up for you but I I'm guessing twenty thirteen twenty fourteen yeah somewhere around there so we bring that up because um, Star Wars is now consolidating all their games under the banner of Lucasfilm Games which sounds suspiciously like Lucas Arts which you know you probably should have never canceled or closed to begin with but who am i to judge oh wait no i'll i'll judge you for that because you're a moron um so they will all all the star wars games coming out will now be under this banner what i hope this means is at the end of 2023 uh star wars's agreement with ea runs up so ea cannot be the sole provider of star wars games now i'm gonna say something not very popular um I've never been afraid to say the unpopular opinion. I have not played Rogue Squadron. Aside from that, all the console games that have come out from EA, I either like to love. 
the quality of games I think are actually good. The problem is almost all of them have come out with some form of controversy and there hasn't been enough of them is the big problem. When you limit it to only one studio can make Star Wars video games, you're limited in how many Star Wars games you can get. We've had, what, four Star Wars games in seven years? Back in the day, we would get four Star Wars games a year of varying yeah. types. And they like were quality. RPGs, um, flight simulators, action-adventure games, all kinds of different styles. Now, don't get me wrong. I like the first Battlefront. I love Battlefront 2. That is the ultimate redemption story in video games. And Fallen Order, oh my gosh, I don't even care if I make Michael mad. Fallen Order is one of the best Star Wars games ever made. It's far surpassed all my expectations. But the problem is, that is three games since 2015. That is not good. I don't mind if EA keeps making Star Wars games so long as they're not, you know, legalized gambling. Um, But I want other studios to be able to do that and under Iger he clearly didn't care about video games he said oh we think EA is doing fine he kind of made it seem like Disney didn't care to if they were making the video games because they saw oh financially they're doing well Um, but spoiler alert Bob Iger video games make a whole heck of a lot of money that is a big market so what I'm hoping is with everything consolidated into one tent again we can have more. Now, quantity doesn't always mean more quality, but I would just like more variety. I like the Star Wars games that we get, but I kind of miss the old days when we just had a lot from a lot of different eras. And I'm sure, Michael, you kind of think the same thing. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that that run of Star Wars games between 2003 and 2005 was insane. Lego Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2, Battlefront 1 and 2, Star Wars Clone Wars... Uh, you had Star Wars Jedi Starfighter, Bounty Hunter. May I? Do I need to go on? And, okay. And that, like, take for example, 2005 is the best video game year ever for Star Wars because it had Lego Star Wars, Revenge of the Sith, which was awesome, Republic Commando, and Battlefront 2. Yeah. Just in one year. I, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And, and even before that too, like I gotta give a shout out to the Jedi Knight games, also unbelievable. Uh, and then throw in there the RTS, Star Wars, Empire at War. I still play that game. It's really good. So I, I'll have to say that you, you have a lot of options as a Star Wars fan for a lot of the legacy games, not as much for the future the future like universe or like the now canonized uh, version. And I actually have Star Wars Squadrons is good. It's not as great as Rogue Squadron, but it, with the visuals, I mean, you could run it. On my Xbox, I can run it at 4K at 120 FPS. I mean, that's pretty unbelievable. Um, but the the deal, by the way, was signed, and I was I was close. It was May of 2013 was when they announced that deal with EA. And since then, you know, to Battlefront, you know, all albeit looking amazing, uh, you know, it didn't really deliver as what people were hoping it would. So this, hopefully, if there's any game, if there's any game that will come out during this this deal, I hope to God it's a true Knights of the Republic sequel. I know they've thrown in their hat with EA with the Old Republic, but they also could certainly release a true Knights of the Old Republic, or I guess it wouldn't be Knights of the Old Republic. They could just do their own version of the High Republic, but make it an RPG. So, oh yeah, we'll talk about um, High Republic and, later. 
Um, All right. Excellent. I don't think we'll, sorry, Michael, I don't think we'll ever get 1313. That's supposed to be like Star Wars' first M-rated game, and it's supposed to be like the underworld of Coruscant. Um, We'll never get that. I'm sure you're heartbroken about that one. The one I'm heartbroken about is um, they had Amy Hennig, who was the creative director for the first three Uncharted games. She was spearheading an Uncharted-like game in the Star Wars universe, to which I'm just going, oh, take all my money. Um, And there's certain elements of that in Fallen Order. Like the people complain about Uncharted's climbing mechanic. You can climb for hours. I don't care. I love the climbing mechanics in Uncharted. Um, so there's definitely some elements of Uncharted and Fallen Order, but I would like a true adventure game like that in the Star Wars universe. There's just a lot of opportunities here. Um, Battlefront 3, maybe? I would be fine with that. Um, the problem that we run into is fans will always, and we're guilty of this too, they will always want stuff in the past because they remember it fondly. Like, they'll be like, just remaster the original Battlefront 2. Like, that game is fine, but we've right. come a long way in gaming since then. Like, yes. if you get a yeah. remaster of that, it's it's going to be fine, but it's probably going to be outdated compared to what kind of games you play now. I want to keep moving forward, if so to speak. Um, if we could get some of the people that are involved with the narrative of Star Wars to contribute to the video games, I think that could be awesome. Like... If you told me we're getting a Star Wars game directed by Amy Hennig, executive produced by Dave Filoni, oh, sweet baby Jesus, I don't need to know anything else. Take it all. Just Grogu, the action-adventure game. It's a point-and-click, like Monkey Island. The the opportunities uh, for for this uh, could be potentially endless. I'm just... I'm going to be cautiously optimistic because the the games that have captured my imagination from EA have actually been more of, you know, like I said, I got a huge Mass Effect fan. There, there are other RPGs, even though Knights of the Republic is probably my favorite game of all time, uh, but they've also been like the Battlefield franchise uh, too. So like there's been other games that have captured my imagination more and I desperately want Star Wars to come back in and, and actually I can't wait to get home from work and get some stuff done so I can just play for a half hour. And I haven't felt that way with the Star Wars game in a very, very long time. Did you play Fallen Order? I'm in the midst of playing Fallen Order. I haven't. Uh, it, it's uh, it's good so far, um, but I, it hasn't. Like, I I started it playing months ago. I just I haven't had that itch yet. Okay, just, just clarifying. Yeah. So this week's episode, we'll do it one more time for old time's sake. Just... To say our goodbyes, this week's episode is sponsored by Family Video. Oh, no. Goodbye, old friend. I would pour one out for you, but um, we've got a nice setup here, and I don't want to destroy my computer. But what I like to do every single year, it's my favorite time of year, prediction season. We get to just take wild stabs in the dark and hope that we're right about stuff. So... We have split this up into um, movies that we think will be the biggest hits, the biggest flops, and the sleeper hits, at least for the box office stuff. And then we just kind of have random predictions about movies that are coming out in 2021. And then I have 
stuff that I believe will be announced in 2021 for beyond the year 2021. So, um, Michael, let's start with the box office stuff first. You want to start with what we think will be the biggest hits, the flops, or the sleeper hits? Yeah, so I'm going to start off first with with this. Is, this is probably not going to be the – it's going to be close because of the genre that it's in. I believe, and, and, and you kind of solidified with how you sold it last week to me, that I think Suicide Squad will be the highest-grossing film of 2021. I, really? I, I know you don't a, think the I HBO Max a, thing is going to hurt it? No, no, I don't think so. I think it's going to, because it's coming out so late, um, and I think people at that point are going to be uh, in just thrilled with how wacky it's going to be. Uh, and I I am, there's your tinfoil hat. I should have gotten mine. Uh, that that for me, I think it's going to, I think it's going to benefit from a later release, and I think people really enjoy James Gunn, I think the movie's going to be a blast, and it's going to be a lightning in a bottle and be the highest grossing film of the year. So I don't... I'll look at my hits and my sleeper hits of what I think might be the highest grossing. Hmm. Highest grossing, I'll probably say Marvel's Shang-Chi, of all things. Oh, okay. So I don't... I think Black Widow will have the issue of one, being set in the past. Okay, so before I go on, I'm sure there's the big elephant in the room. Yes, I have my tinfoil hat because, again, tinfoil hat, crazy conspiracy theories. Um, predicting the future, fun little thing. Why not? Um, Black Widow. Being set in the past, I think, really hurts it. It doesn't move the narrative forward, but also, like I said earlier, being set earlier in the year, I think, hurts it. Um, I think Shang-Chi will be the highest grossing because I think um, box office wise, we've been starved for a good martial arts movie for quite a while. Um, and I think that could be a fun new element to bring to the MCU. Plus, never, ever underestimate the foreign markets. Ever. That's, That's how we got a yeah. Pacific Rim sequel when we really shouldn't have. I don't hate the first one, <laughs> but it did make a whole lot of money domestically. Um you never, never know what the domestic mark, what the international market is going to be like. Star Wars, huge, doesn't do well overseas. Um, Shang Chi might have that special magic. I'm not saying they're specifically making this to cater to a demographic, um, but it's a demographic that, if a movie is good, will definitely support the movie. I think that's what they're hoping to do with Mulan, but that backfired in their face big time. I think Shang-Chi is a sleeper hit, but also will come out of nowhere and knock people's socks off like um, the first Black Panther did. That far exceeded a lot of people's expectations because it was um, a group of people that weren't often represented in a leading role in a movie. And you could say the same thing about Shang-Chi in a genre that's not typically the biggest name genre out there. So I wouldn't sleep on Shang-Chi. It's not like I'm betting the house on that one because this year's a wild card, if anything. Um, but if I had to, I might say Shang Chi actually. No, not a bet. And the foreign market, you you are a hundred percent right. Uh, something that uh, I don't think the Suicide Squad will carry as much as Shang Chi, but uh, I think that's that's very fair. Um, 
I have this down. I, I do. I'm going to hold to it because you mentioned it. I think Black Widow will still earn over a billion dollars. I, I think it. I know you're going to call me crazy on that, but we're, you're crazy. Well, time will tell. We will just have to find out. That's fine. If I'm right, then I. That's all I get. Um, that's just a very quick one. I do want to say it's going to for, for a the biggest flop, not money wise. I will say not like it's going to earn the lowest amount of money. That'd be ridiculous to try to predict that. But I'm talking about maybe fans' expectations and then maybe budget-to-profit ratio for what we would consider a blockbuster, not some independent or indie film. I think it's going to be a race to the bottom between both The King's Man and Morbius. I think those two are going to flop really? so hard. Yes. I, I think there's hardly any interest and in, in the public fandom for, for those two. I think it's going to be a... I think it's really going to be a toss-up between which one of those is more disappointing financially. So I I kind of agree with you with the King's Man, primarily because I completely forgot about it. I don't have it like <laughs> anywhere in my notes at all today. Good, bad, or random prediction. Morbius, oh. on the other hand, I think you are dead wrong on because do you remember the buzz that came out with that trailer when at the end Michael Keaton showed up? Everyone lost their mind. But also... You do realize Venom made eight hundred million dollars, right? Yeah. So it's a, yeah. and Venom, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Venom's not even that good. Like I, it's it's fine. It's a guilty pleasure. People don't necessarily need quality in their movies to go see it multiple times. We've seen, unfortunately, slap Spider-Man's name on something or reference it, and people will go out and see it because they like them some Spidey. Um. Sure. I think this will at least do halfway decent. I don't think it'll be Venom big. There'll definitely be a drop off, um, but I don't think this is going to be a flop like you think it will be. Um, oh, I, I hope I'm wrong for the record. I've got three flops. Um, okay. I think one of them will be good, and then two of them I think will be bad. So, Michael, do you want the the two bad ones or the good one first? Yeah. Give me the two bad ones. I'm the two curious. bad ones. I don't think we're going to disagree on this one. Uh, Mortal Kombat, probably going to flop pretty hard. You've got a video game movie, a first-time writer, and a first-time director for a movie that was supposed to come out in a January release date. Four strikes and you're out, buddy. Um, The other one has to be one of the worst trailers I've seen in a long time. (laughs) Through no fault of its own, because this movie was supposed to come out after The Last Jedi. And I'm, of course, talking about Tom Holland, Daisy oh, Ridley's yeah. Chaos, Chaos Walking. Walking. Oh, my God. Ooh. This looks like a dumpster fire that I will oh. not be able to peel my eyes away from. This movie is... You can just... You know how, like, when Doolittle had trailers, you could just smell the stink on it you knew it was going to flop? Or, like, the remake of yeah. The Grudge from January last year. There's some movies you can just smell the stink i could just smell the stink of chaos walking a mile away if that doesn't flop i will genuinely be amazed um but i i don't think we're disagreeing on this one michael no no that uh it was a comedy i thought it was a comedy based on the trailer i'm like oh my gosh i'm laughing a lot uh the fact that this movie's finally coming out in in the form that it did i mean yeah, the fact that it was supposed to come out in what twenty seventeen—that's that's not good. I, I think those are the writings on the walls for both those films. I'm curious when you, you say those are the two bad ones. Is this just the final one? Is this a juicier, more of a hot take? Prediction? Oh yeah, 
but it's not surprising okay. because I have been saying this since this project was announced. Doom oh. will fall on its face. I yeah. think Dune will be one of the best movies of the year that no one sees. I've been no saying sees, it huh? for okay. months. Denny Villeneuve makes masterpieces that no one sees except for diehard cinephiles. Prisoners was excellent. Blade Runner 2049 was outstanding. But people don't... The general population clearly did not care about Blade Runner anymore. Or if they ever did, because the original Blade Runner flopped as well. I don't think the general population cares about Dune that much. This stack, this cast is stacked with Timothy Chalamet, um, Jason Momoa, Josh Brolin, Zendaya, Rebecca Ferguson. There's so many fantastic, talented people. I think this movie's going to fall flat on its face. Um, they're still fighting of whether or not this will be just a theatrical experience or whether it will go to HBO Max. Because if it goes to HBO Max, that's doubly doomed. Um, but this thing is a huge, major budgeted thing, like 175 to $200 million. We saw what happened to Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. That had a huge budget, and that did not do well. Oh, I think this movie will be great. God. But the big that... thing that's just going, <gasps> don't do that, don't do that, <laughs> is when they said, we're doing, this is part one. We'll do the second what? half of the book when this movie makes a lot of money. I'm going, <gasps> You never put the cart before the horse. That's yeah. just jinxing yourself. Did, did you have the privilege of seeing Valerian? No, I did not theaters? because I don't really care for Luke Besson movies. I saw The Fifth Element. I thought it was just fine. Yeah, you you really need to take Heather and and treat yourself to that movie and and uh, grab some popcorn and be prepared to laugh. I I took a friend to go see that because he really wanted to see it. And I really didn't. Uh, so it was a, it was a movie that existed, as you had said, uh, like about Wonder Woman 1984. It had a beginning, middle, and end, and I was so happy to leave the theater. Uh, so if it's anything like that, oh my gosh, yes, what a massive I, budget! I'll say it's the worst, yeah, best-looking movie I've ever seen. It does look good, but I also don't particularly care for Cara Delevingne or. Dane DeHaan, so um, no thanks. Yeah, it it was looked not the cool, best, but not yeah. The best casting. Do you you see Dune differently? Um, can, You're kind of in the same camp as me. I man, it's so hard because Blade Runner 2049 did it, that lose the studio money? Oh yeah, I'm sure it did. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, did is he turned a profit? Like, was Prisoners a profit? Uh, Prisoners might have been because Prisoners were filmed for dirt cheap. It might okay. have, but even then. It, if anything, it broke even. Okay. Yeah, so it doesn't have a history of that. So why in the world they would give him a property with that much money? Uh, the, I mean, maybe they just love not making money but seeing really good quality content, which we know that's not realistic. So, yeah, I, I don't even – it's not even – it goes beyond a prediction. I think it's going to happen. It's like you're, you're a prophet now. You're not just – you are now predicting the future but you are going to be considered a prophet when it comes to that movie. This, this um, is the problem. I want to be wrong about this. I really do. Oh, sure. I, I really believe sure. that Dune will be great. I just don't have the faith that writing is on the wall that I don't think this will work. Yeah. 
I mean, who wants to be right about something like that? It looks to be amazing. It looks yeah. to be one of those films that you're like, I need to go see this in a theater type of thing. Like, who wants to be right about, yeah, this movie's going to flop and we're not going to see a sequel. So, yeah, um, and which is actually related to my next prediction, if I may. Um, this is actually going to be plot-wise, so it's not spoiler territory. Well, okay, that that if, it's, if it's anything plot-wise or anything like that, yeah. we'll save it for the general predictions. Because I've got, oh, okay. I Sounds still got good. some hits and some sleepers to go through. Because then we'll just, oh okay, we've got a, I've got a ton of general, right. like either plot or just random predictions for movies for this year. Um, do you want me okay. to do hits or the sleeper hits? Um, let's do sleeper hits. Um, I can, I'll just wrap up real quick. Um, as far as financial reporting goes, I think No Time to Die is going to suffer and it's not going to make a lot of money. I think it's going to make money, but not nearly as much as the studio is hoping for. I just have a funny feeling about this, and I can't put my finger on it. It's just one of those things that I'm thinking, this might be the biggest blockbuster that has like the lowest lowest revenue. It'll still make the studio money, but it will be disappointing. I've got some predictions about that later for our general predictions. Okay. Oh, I can't wait. All right, so what, what, are, your, what are your sleepers? Uh, I have four. Three that I actually feel pretty confident about. One that's just kind of a goofy one. I'll, the goofy one I have is... The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is the actual name of the movie, in which case Nicolas Cage plays himself in like a Being John Malkovich type movie. I think this, the premise of this is quirky enough to work and draw some people into the theater. Now, I'm not saying it's a okay. massive hit, but it could be a sleeper hit like um, in 2019, Peanut Butter Falcon was a sleeper hit with a not big budget, and I think... People like Nicolas Cage. He's got that new show about swear words on Netflix. Um, he might be in the middle of a revival. And again, this is not the last time I talk about Nicolas Cage. I think he will be returning for something else or debuting as something else. I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, West Side Story. I don't see a lot of people talking about this. Never sleep on Steven Spielberg. Some people will say he's not as good as he used to be. Maybe, but he's never done a musical before, and he has said how much he cares about the original. Theater nerds love their musicals, and even if it's just average, since we don't get a lot of musicals nowadays, people will still see it. Greatest Showman, not a great movie. It's just, it's average. That movie made so much money and had so many legs because people kept going back to see it because it was a musical, a family-friendly musical, if West Side Story can kind of replicate the success that Greatest Showman had, do not sleep on a good musical. Um, I th almost didn't put this in my sleeper because if Shang-Chi is in the top box office, I think this sleeper hit might be the top box office movie of the year. Jungle Cruise, believe it or Whoa. not. Whoa, is that? you think The Rock has that much of a pull? I think The Rock and Emily Blunt do have that much of a pull because I think this looks like one of those old-fashioned adventure stories. Like the, It reminds me suspiciously a lot like the Brendan Fraser Mummy, which did a lot of money. I think this has okay. an old-school adventure vibe to it that you can never fully count out. And The Rock, he's the biggest star in Hollywood. Now, he not all of his movies are big successes, but having a movie... Him in your movie is guaranteed to make your movie have better box office than if he wasn't and if it was somebody else. So never sleep on The Rock. I think Jungle Cruise might not be the best movie, but it definitely is a sleeper hit for one of the 
better, bigger box office movies of the year. And my last sleeper hit, because I will stand on this soapbox till the day I die in it, or till the movie comes out on July 16th, Tom Holland's Uncharted! I welcome your booze and your vitriol! This movie, y'all sleeping yeah. on it because you wanted Nathan Fillion as Nathan Drake instead. Mark my words, and I'll be the first to admit it if I'm wrong, this Uncharted movie is going to be a whole heck of a lot better than anybody's giving it credit for right now, and it will do better than people think. Because um, if a movie is good and it has that old-fashioned adventure sense, people will see it. We laughed at the Jumanji remake before it came out. That made almost a billion dollars. Yeah. It was you a good never film, know too. with adventure. And I think Uncharted will be good too. Sony every once in a while can pull a rabbit out of their hat. And I think they're about to do that with Uncharted. Do, do you think if it's good, let's just say it is good. Do you think it's this generation's Indiana Jones? No, because um, Indiana Jones is such an iconic piece of film. If it's good. I think it'll be this generation's national treasure. You mean not to get to three movies? Okay. <laughs> we are getting a third one. Thank you very much. Oh, we are getting yeah. a third one. You t- Ill- t- Well timed, by the way. Very well timed. 15 years later. Or yes, whatever. we are getting a third one, you uncultured swine. <laughs> we are getting a third one, but... No, I think it could be this generation's national treasure in terms of like okay. kids grew up on that type of adventure and then they upgrade to Indiana okay. Jones, um, but also be a sleeper hit like National Treasure was because for those lucky enough to be around in 2004, no one saw National Treasure coming and that movie no was like number one at the box office for like five or six weeks. That dominated and it's all thanks to the cage who didn't yeah. actually freak out in that movie, but it was still pretty good. Yeah, that was, oh my gosh, memories. I, I saw that movie for the first time at a sixth grade, like, airsoft sleepover type of Halo party. And we all had a blast. I mean, we, we were a bunch of sixth graders watching that movie. So, I'm like, that was kind of insane. Uh, yeah, that, that would be uh, that would be awesome. I, I, think, I think all those are very plausible. I, I actually don't disagree with any of those at all. I, I'm just, I'm hoping the... The ingredients are right. Like, if there's anything that goes right movie-wise in, in 2021, Nate, I, I promise you I'm pulling for Uncharted. As, not as much as you are because I don't have as much invested, but I I will be glued to any early reviews, and I will be discussing that with you. When is the release date for that? July 16th. Okay. All right. Well, we're not that far away from that. It'll be here before we know it. Um, mm-hmm. When do you think we'll see the first trailer? March. I have it. I have it more or less sometime in March, mid to late okay. March is my guess for an Uncharted trailer for the first time, and maybe a poster sometime in February is my guess. Okay. Well, hey, uh, that's that's even that's obviously a lot closer. And so, hey, uh, here's to hoping, man. Um, yep. What is what is your what, what's your final like prediction as far as your as your and not sleeper hits, but just top. So. Uh, I already said Shang-Chi will be one of the top movies. Um, The other two may be unconventional. Um, I have A Quiet Place 2, I think. um, Never Sleep on a Horror Sequel. Never Sleep on a Horror Sequel that people really, really loved in the first one. Uh, But also, since it's not R, it doesn't exclude any audiences from seeing it. So, Goodwill the first one, maybe it could do well. And the other one, 
this could also fall into sleeper hits because the franchise isn't at its highest point right now, but it has such a loyal and devoted fan base that if this is even halfway good, they will continue to see this over and over again, and that could help its box office. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm. There are so many 80s babies out there that grew up with Ghostbusters that if you bring back that like Force Awakens type nostalgia for Ghostbusters, you have their ticket 10 times over. And if it's good for a casual fan like me, you have my ticket 10 times over. So if this is good and it has that spirit of the original and it's good for the whole family like a Jumanji, then yeah, I think we could see Ghostbusters Afterlife being a really big box office success. Yeah, I'd be one of those people that they would get. I have not seen the original, um, and so this movie doesn't carry the same type, sort of like nostalgic. Uh, well, I mean, first off, I'm not an, I'm not an '80s kid anyway, but it doesn't it, it doesn't harken to anything. It doesn't pull at any special heartstrings. But it was one of the best trailers released last year, hands down. Um, so, yeah, very 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 good. I, you know, I I thought about a Quiet Place too. I just don't know. I just don't know about it. I don't I don't know if the delay is going to hurt it at all, but it's certainly not going to hurt it in my mind because I'm still going to still going to see it regardless. I just I couldn't quite I didn't know where to put it because I, I can't put it as a sleeper because I think it's going to do well, but it's a horror sequel. It's not I mean it's not going to earn like a Marvel film status in my opinion, but I don't know I, I I just I didn't feel confident. Like my prediction is that. It'll do something, and that's the most boring and stupid take ever. And I just, I'm glad that you committed to something with that, because that's exactly what I'd like to see, honestly. Because I'd like to see another one, um, please. Oh yeah, I, 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 as you will see with my general, like my movie predictions for 2021 and my announcements for 2021, I am not afraid to swing big in the hope that I hit a home run. But most of these are probably going to end up being foul balls. Let's get into our general predictions, like our. Um, we'll throw up the spoiler alert jazz hands on the off chance that any of these are actually right. Um, these are just theories, tinfoil hat conspiracy theories and predictions that we have. Um, one of them I did have to take off from my list last year because thanks to some toy leaks, it was confirmed. And if I had it on my list this year, y'all would be like, well, you just saw the toy leak, so you're just stating things that are already common knowledge. I'm like, fine, I'm taking that off there. Thanks for ruining the surprise for a given movie um, that I did say I was right on a certain prediction, but I can't tell you that until next year because I have faith that the movie will still come out this year, but um, certain toy spoiled a prediction that I had, but yeah, I was right about something. Um, so I'll start us off. I said earlier something about No Time to Die, right? And that I had general prediction for that. So, Michael, you remember how I had a big issue with Spectre on their like yeah. re- surprise reveal as, spoiler alert, that Christoph Waltz was actually playing Ernst Stavro Blofeld, the iconic James Bond villain? Well, mm-hmm. I think they're going to do it two movies in a row. I don't believe Rami Malek's Safin is who he says he is. So I think it would be a nice tip of the cap if we end the James, the Daniel Craig James Bond movies where Bond begins. Michael, do you know what the very first James Bond movie is? 
I, I don't, honestly. I'm not, uh, I do not know my history on James Bond. The very first James Bond movie is Dr. No. I think Rami Malek is secretly playing Dr. No, and they're going to bring it full circle. Now, there's some teases in the trailer that kind of make me think this. Uh, so, in, doc, in Dr. No, Dr. No is this scientist um, who more or less, uh, he's got a whole bunch of people like in hazmat suits in an underground base. There's a couple shots in the trailer that suspiciously look like the henchmen of Dr. No in the original movie from, I think, 62 with Sean Connery. And if you do a side-by-side of the original Dr. No and Rami Malek's Safin character, they kind of look similar. Um, this is just my hunch. I've thought this since this movie's been in development. I think they're holding out and they're being purposely coy about who this villain is. Like, Safin? Really? That's his name? But we've gotten so little detail about him. My only reservation on this is we just did the surprise villain reveal in the last one. So maybe they won't do it again. Um, but who knows? Also, look at the title for James Bond. No time to die. Maybe no is in this to some extent. Hmm. What a what a fantastic prediction. The last time that you and I discussed a movie villain reveal you called the whole star uh star trek into darkness thing a mile away i mean you were miles ahead of anyone else so i oh, yeah. learned not, and not to doubt you there's still quite a few of my friends from college that owe me some apologies because they're just like you're wrong and an idiot because they've said in interviews that he's not playing con really really yeah. benedict cumberbatch wasn't playing con yeah okay. in my in my defense it was the easiest softball in the world to see that that was coming. Thanks for the well, I, plot twist, yeah. JJ. Well, hey, listen, I, I've learned then that uh, at least not to doubt you, and so that would be cool. What a good way narrative-wise to bring it up, and I'm actually really excited because I love Rami Malek as an actor. I think it's going to be really exciting. Oh, same. Um, the please tell me, please tell me this toy leak thing uh, from Godzilla. Can you just get that out there? Because I I think I know what you're talking about. I haven't followed the production on this so I, I think i know what you're gonna say but you're keeping me in suspense it's my one of my anticipated movies of the year tell me tell me tell me tell me that is an action mike i do have a kong versus godzilla prediction but i won't um say what the toy leak is explicitly let's just okay. say the toy leak confirmed to me and i'll tell you off mike michael oh, the toy okay. leak confirmed to me that like batman versus superman kong and godzilla will fight each other before they have to team up to fight something else Okay, yeah. And I was right I about what that something else is. Spoiler yeah. alert, it's not the Jaegers from Pacific Rim as much as I really, really want that. Um, <laughs> however, the marketing for Kong versus Godzilla has made it abundantly clear that one will fall. And the director has said, yes, we will have a definitive winner of who wins when Kong and Godzilla face off. It will not be one of those just like, well, we'll never know. It's a tie. So if we are supposedly definitively getting a winner, my prediction, and I know at least one of our friends on Facebook and in our real life is not going to be happy I say this, I think Kong will beat Godzilla. That's my prediction. It seems like Godzilla's the heavy favorite here because it's Godzilla. I'm going for the underdog, and I think Kong will beat Godzilla in this movie. 
Yeah, uh, so I was going to talk about this, um, and I was going to talk about this exact thing, that they are setting this up for Kong to defeat Godzilla. That's my prediction, too. We have the same prediction. Uh, Godzilla will fall, but unironically, it will kill the legendary monsterverse here that they're trying to do. Uh, I think this movie is not going to make a lot of money. I think this is going to be a, once they kill Godzilla, it will kill this Godzilla uh, story that they've been on, and they won't be able to return to the character for quite some time or whatever iteration, at least in the American box office, because it's just not there. There's not as enough financial backing for it. I hope the movie makes some money. I hope they find a way to do it. Personally, as a Godzilla fan, I don't like what they've done with Kong. I like what they've, objectively, I like what they're doing, but as biased as I am, you can't kill Godzilla. I just, you just can't. For me, it's, it's just it's sacrilegious to do. Godzilla has so, died, though. Yeah, I just, but you can't kill him, okay? You can't, you can't kill him. He's died, though. But, it's yeah, like those people I, saying, you I, can't kill Superman. Well, he has died, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, guess what? All those people are wrong. Factually, they're right, but they're also wrong. So that's just where I dig my heels in. That just let me have that because that's just how I think the character should be done. I like how they set him up as a hero and that he actually wants to protect humanity, and then they kill him. So that, that's going to be great because uh, Kong doesn't really protect a lot of the humans at all. I mean, he does kind of, but uh, I mean, he kills a lot of them. Godzilla doesn't like purposely kill the humans in, in Godzilla. He's actually there to protect and save. And so, um, you know, I don't like that, but hey, I'll just, you know what? That we're predicting it. I won't be disappointed once it happens. Right, how about that? All right. Well, what do you got next? Um, so yeah, this is, this is something that I've struggled. I've struggled with, but I think at the same time, I I, I believe Mission Impossible Seven is going to be my favorite. It's going to be my favorite movie of the year, and I think it's going to be tied into what we talked about last week with my subtle anecdote that really wasn't funny. But I think it's going to be because of the ending. I think it's going to be have. It's going, I think it's specifically going to have one of the best endings possible. You brought it up with the fact that it's going to tie into the last film, of Mission Impossible Eight. Yeah, I hope they have a literal and, fi- and figurative cliffhanger, but I, I, I am, I am preparing myself to have a, a like a huge, huge cliffhanger of a story. Something big is going to happen. Mission Impossible Seven. I think it's gonna, it's gonna be a Infinity War type of ending where it's gonna, it's gonna leave you in a gut punch and it's gonna really be a culmination of storytelling. Like these movies have gone beyond the the cliched action movie of the 90s, and they have, they're telling a whole emotional story now. That that's gonna be, I don't know how it's specifically going to happen, but I think they very well might kill off a character, and if I had to be, if I had to do it, I would say they're going to kill off Simon Pegg's character, um, and that that's just where I stand right now. Dude, holy crap, that's so scary, because I yeah, have something I, almost identical to that. Okay, please, let me hear it. I have Mission Impossible 7 will end on a huge cliffhanger, possibly a character's death. However, I don't think Benji's the one that dies. I like Benji, okay. I think it'll be the only guy that's been in all the movies except Tom Cruise. No, don't, don't do it We're killing no. Luther. I think they're killing no. off Luther. Or giving the impression that Luther is dead. Because okay. you can fake anything in Mission Impossible. Right. I bet you anything... We have a character death to raise the stakes. It's either Luther will die or we fake Luther's death as we find out 
in the next one. But I think next you're one. right. I think there will be a massive cliffhanger at the end of ep- of episode seven, of the end of Mission Impossible seven, <laughs> with some form of a character death. I I can see the Benji thing. It's either Benji or Luther, or they bring back Jeremy Renner and kill him off, like his career has died off. Oh no, you are a savage. Uh, yeah, I I just it has that feeling. It has that building. And it's the it's the one before, the, the it's it's the one before, the end. And you always that that's the one where they can you basically throw all the cliches off because you could always write yourself out of the corner you dug yourself into or or found yourself in, in the previous movie. And what a way to to raise the stakes, tell a good story, and make people clamor for that final one. Give us one more. You've got to avenge this, or you've got to make this right. There has to be justice. So uh, there is that. Now I have another one that's tied with Tom Cruise, but let me what what? Please tell me you have something related to Marvel because I'm. Of course I'm, I do. Okay, because I, I have I have nothing. I, I'm not even. I, I I don't know these these properties unless we're talking about Spider Man three, and I have no idea what to think about Spider Man three. I, I have. This is the first year where predictions for me, like, I, I could kind of, like, I can see where this is going, but there's a lot of wild cards this year. So I've got predictions for Black Widow, for Venom 2, and for Spider-Man 3. What okay. what, do you, what do you want? You pick. What are we get, tackling first? Please, get Venom 2, because I could care that one less, less about, so let's get that out of the way. On popular opinion, there will be no Tom Holland in any way, shape, or form in oh, Venom 2. Oh, thank God. Thank you. I... They fooled people into seeing Venom because they thought Tom Holland would be in an end credits of some kind. I think that'll continue for Venom 2. Even an end credits scene. I don't even think Tom Holland will be there either. This is one that I... I might be wrong, but I don't think so. I think the line is going to get more definitive that this is a separate, alternate, fractioned-off universe from the Tom Holland one. I don't think Tom... I know there's a lot of rumors out there that Tom Holland is in Venom 2... I don't think so. I think this is going to be separate. You watch now. Tom Holland's going to be in the first trailer for Venom Two. <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you What do you got for uh, Black Widow? For Black Widow, um, I think Florence Pugh's character will now be taking over the mantle of Black Widow from Natasha going forward. Really? So we will okay. have a Black Widow. It just will not be Natasha Romanoff, and we will see her in other Marvel projects this year. There's already been some speculation that she shows up in Falcon Winter Soldier. I bet you she shows up in Shang-Chi, maybe even the Hawkeye series to further cement her status as the new Black Widow. Okay. Yeah, that, that would be, I mean, it would certainly make sense. Uh, I, I, I will say, though, uh, th- this movie, I'm glad they've made it. And now, Obviously, we've talked about the timing. I am actually going to miss her character because I thought uh, Endgame did, did her really well as far as giving her another layer. Uh, it's unfortunate that they decided to not even address. Uh, they didn't give it enough time because uh, she's been there for so long. But you know, uh, it's going to be hard because I actually thought they did a really good job with the character, and um, I think she's going to be sorely missed. I just wish the characters, you know, would have had more time to reflect on it. But uh, but yeah, I guess I you could just you, easily replace her. You don't cast an actress like Florence Pugh, who is one of the biggest names in Hollywood right now, as an up and comer. You don't cast a name like that if you don't have future plans for her. Okay, um, makes sense. So yeah, I think she will be the Black Widow going forward. Um, 
I think there will be ties to future Marvel projects in here. Potentially some stuff with the Thunderbolts. Maybe some callbacks to the Incredible Hulk movie from 2011. That's uh, 2010, I guess. Yeah, 2010. That's been rumored. I kind of buy into that. Um, But yeah, I think I'm still not super excited for Black Widow. But I think there could be some interesting story potentials. But she will still be dead at the end of Endgame. Which, it still bothers me that um, you talk about we didn't get enough time to mourn her death. They cut a very key scene. I don't know if you've seen the deleted scene of after Tony does the snap and Tony dies. um, Hawkeye just takes a knee on the battlefield. And then everyone else slowly but surely takes a knee and kind of honors the dead. And I think that would have been a really nice way to remember Black Widow. But they, for some reason, cut it out. And I'm mad about that because that was a really beautiful moment. Um, so I'll close it out for you. Last but not least for the Marvel stuff, Spider-Man three, that's the biggest what if of all of these, isn't it? Oh my, yes, it is. Garfield and Maguire will be in it as extended cameos and nothing more. I don't think they'll be in this movie very long. Now here's the one that I'm going to go out on a limb on what it's called. I think this one will be Spider-Man Home away from home. So a combination of of both of the previous films? No, 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 no. Think about it in the sense of a multiverse. Of this is like my home, but it's different. So in the sense of Sony also. So Homecoming was like, welcome Spider-Man to the MCU. Now think of it like a Sony is my home, but it's also my wave... Because I'm currently in the MCU. It's my home away from home. It's just also a funny combination of the previous two titles that they've given. Uh, I mean, I certainly can see it. Um, why do you think they would only use him as cameos? Is that just as he's swinging around to the different universes? Because this is still Tom Holland's universe. So okay. Captain America Civil War, the main character, is still Captain America. I still think this movie is going to be super, super bogged and down and very cluttered and busy but i have faith in kevin feige enough to acknowledge that tom holland will still probably be be the main character here and if you have garfield and mcguire as supporting characters for too long kind of takes a shine off of the golden boy so i think he's still going to be the the main focus here and uh, garfield and mcguire will just be cameos who maybe help push him to be like the ultimate spider-man I'm not going to say that Maguire tells him the with great power comes great responsibility thing, but maybe, just maybe, I'm not saying this as an official prediction, but this is more just a fan's hope. Can we please, for the love of God, acknowledge Uncle Ben finally in the third yeah. movie? Because, you know, there was an Uncle Ben at some point. There has to be. Yeah, well, you could easily use that as just kind of like willful neglect, like it's maybe too painful. And, I mean, look how old he is. You know, he hasn't maybe learned how to deal with that yet. And, you know, for a lot of people, they're good at burying emotions and not bringing it up. It's a sore spot for them. So they're doing it on purpose, like, I think. Uh, and, I, you know, that's, that's not been a – I mean, they can touch on the theme that, you know, lost his parents. You know, he's never had a chance to meet his parents. Raised, you know, by his aunt uncle. Lost his uncle. Then found another mentor, and his mentor died. They already, they already hinted at kind of the, the sadness in Far From Home. They could really easily nail that trope home in this movie. And 
I'm telling you, man, I swear, you need this podcast needs to get thousands and thousands of listeners because if you are right about Tobey Maguire re reciting those famous lines, like what an amazing act of storytelling that could be. I'm not gonna. I just. I don't if even want to get my properly and not yes, just fan servicey. Yeah, exactly. No, I can't be a joking, joking line of "Hey, kiddo, hey, whatever, hey, you dropped your, uh, you dropped your, your responsibility." responsibility. It's, yeah, it's powerful. Yeah, that they can't, it can't be that way. Um, what an amazing thing! Like that, that's good stuff, man. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely pumped for this film. I, I really am. I think it's gonna be one of the funner, more fun movies of the year. Um, I, I hate to even transition to something down. It's one of my, one of my last. It's actually my last plot thing because I, I just I'm terrible at this, Nate. So you have to forgive me. That's all right. But, I still got plenty more. I'll cover for you. Um, so here here is my my final thing for the year, and I think you might you might be happy because I know you're not really thrilled with Top Gun Maverick coming out. I mean, it looks great, but I think uh, I think Maverick is going to die in this film. No, I uh, I think. Well, hey hey, it's my prediction. Okay, it's my prediction. Let me have my prediction. So, I think I think they're going to Explain kill why him. and I'll explain to you why I think you're wrong. That, no, that's fine. I just think they will do it. It's I think it's set up to the fact that the movie's about Top Gun Maverick. His name based on the trailers, he's back. Why do you, why do you why do you come back after all these years? I think it's just to pass on a legacy and his willingness story-wise to sacrifice for Goose's son because I think they're going to tap they're going to they are going to tackle the fact that it was it was upon him. He still feels guilty for Goose's death because he was a reckless guy, and he sees the same recklessness in his son, and he he, he wants to save him through whatever battle with the Russians, whatever they're going to do in this film. He's going to sacrifice to save him, and that's going to push Goose's son to learn that lesson himself. But in, and in seeing what his responsibilities have cost him that and I think the there's been a there's been a misdirection in the trailer when they're stamping their uh, insignias into the coffin and there's a misdirection when it comes to you know, Tom Cruise dressed up in all of his white saluting I was about to say we see him at a funeral yeah I think that's all misdirection I, I think I think that is a thing I think that does happen my guess is that that's at the beginning of the movie, but everything else is a way to hide the fact that this is going to be a movie about the legacy of Maverick and what he leaves behind. Now, I see. Arguing. I think that there is someone going to die in a funeral. I just don't know Top Gun well enough to know who it would be, but I think someone will die. It's just not Tom Cruise because it's Maverick. With the P, big piece of that being, do you realize like Tom Cruise never dies in movies? He doesn't want to be vulnerable. He doesn't show human yeah. weakness because he's Tom Cruise. It's like written in all of his character contracts. I refuse to die no matter how ridiculous it seems. So I think someone will die. And that's why we see him saluting. I don't think it's a trick of the, I don't think it's a editing trick. I, I just don't see him dying. I think someone will die. It's you watch goose's kid dies. <laughs> It's just a cursed family. <laughs> so bad. Uh, yeah, I, I will say that uh, this movie was supposed to come out in 2020. Weirder things would have happened than, than Tom Cruise actually dying in a movie. So uh, I'm going to hold on to that one. No, I don't see him sacrifice. Like, the only franchise that I can see Tom Cruise nowadays actually saying, I will willingly sacrifice his character for narrative purpose 
would be Mission Impossible. And the only way that would happen is if it's the final Mission Impossible. Um, and the series has to end at that point because he's producer and he loves it like a baby. Uh, but Tom Cruise, he doesn't kill off his characters in movies. I just I just don't see that happening. Um, I've, I've got a random got. funny one. Okay. Kids of the 90s. Y'all love Space Jam, don't you? That's hip with the modern kids. Even though oh. I'll always say Michael Jordan's a better player than LeBron. LeBron's a better actor than Jordan. Well, speaking of the beautiful bald man that is Michael Jordan, I bet he cameos in Space Jam 2 as one of the people that LeBron James has to face. Ooh, okay. That could be interesting. What a, what a play. Uh, from a Hollywood standpoint, um, yeah, okay, that that could be interesting. And do you think? Here's a question: Do you think they just tease people and they don't show you the outcome of that, or and it's like left off screen, or do you think they show you a result of that? I think it's one of two options: either uh, they use the body of Michael Jordan, like they did with Patrick Ewing and everybody else in the original, or they do it like the end of Rocky Three. Where it's a freeze frame, we stop it before it ends. So, like, you okay. you get people in by the promise of LeBron versus Jordan in a movie. Because okay. that debate is raged forever. The marketability of that, I don't think Warner Brothers has the guts to resist. It may not make story sense, but that's that's, like, prime marketing material. If nothing else, I bet he cameos in just a fun passing scene. At worst, that's what's happened. I think at best, it's one-on-one. Mm-hmm. At, at best. I think that's a long shot, but I think, if nothing else, Jordan cameos in Space Jam 2. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think that that is certainly a fun one. Not, I'm not going to see the movie, so there you, there you go. From some story things that I've heard online, I think people are going to sleep on this thinking that's going to be like the first one. But without saying too much... It's very different from the first one, um, and that's a good thing. It'll be fresh. I still think the, the uniforms look trash, but whatever. Uh, LeBron's a good actor, though. So I've got um, a DC one, I got some horror ones, and a video game one. What what should I tackle? Uh, uh, let's go with the video game first. Uncharted, obviously. Uh, I don't have a ton here. I've got that Mark Wahlberg is playing Sully. Sully's got his signature mustache. I think he only gets that at the very end of the movie. And he's clean shaven for most of it, even though that kind of goes against everything that's happened in the continuity of the games. I don't see him having the mustache for most of it. It'd be like a, well, here's your fan service moment. We gave him the mustache. Uh, I also think that Henry Jackman, who scored uh, Uncharted 4 Thief's End, I think he will return to score the movie, which... Yes, please. I really, really want that. Henry Jackman also did the music for uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. He does fantastic music. I would love to see him come back for the movie, and I I firmly believe he will because he has such uh, vast experience working with both video games and movies. It's an oddly specific prediction, but one I'm going to stick with for now. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't really have a... uh ties to it because i don't have a playstation so uh, I, I don't if nothing uh, else look up a thief's end soundtrack that's so okay. good but 
Well, I have listened to that because I've had the privilege of riding in a car with you, so that is good. So I will add to the fact that for me, a movie score is just as important as like the writing to me. Oh yeah. Uh, I and and so I am a sucker for any any good score, uh, and I have and really enjoyed it. So that's the whole thing. Mustache. I'm sorry, I don't have any ties to. I really yeah. Uh, I, I'm I, not I the mustache isn't as much of a deal breaker to me like it is some other fans. Um, just because this is supposed to be a, a moment in earlier years and i know sully had a mustache earlier in the games and the uncharted 3 flashbacks but whatever i care more about the music than anything else because mm-hmm. if that iconic uncharted score is not there at any point there will be riots caused by me um that needs to be there even if it's a slight variation so let's see um i'll save my dc one for last because that one's my most random um i got ghostbusters spiral and halloween kills Please start with Spiral, please. This is going to be great. This is my most out-of-left-field tinfoil hat theory that I will say today. I mean that. I think Spiral, from the Book of Saw, as it's called, is secretly a Saw prequel. Everyone seems to think that it's set in modern day or a sequel to the Saw series. Okay. There is nothing in the trailer that is time-specific. There are no smartphones... There are no special, like, modern computers that I've seen. Uh, I've rewatched the trailer a couple times. Maybe I've just missed something blatantly in front of my face. But at the beginning of the trailer, uh, one of the detectives is like, here's a picture of my family. He doesn't pull it up on a smartphone. He pulls out an actual physical piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If this is modern day, I think he would be showing it on his phone. There is nothing in this trailer that is time-specific. I think they're going to do what Final Destination, the final Final Destination did, where they make you think it's set in the modern day, and then plot twist, it's actually set in the past before the events of the very first movie. I think this is the person that will inspire John Kramer to be the Jigsaw Killer down the road. I think this is set before the events of all the Saw movies. And some people will be like, well, they have vehicles that are modern day, but I'm going... Typically, they don't really care about vehicle continuity a whole lot in movies. I Maybe I'm missing something blatantly obvious in the trailer, but from the trailers that I've seen, there is nothing in it that says that this is set in the modern day, and Saw loves them some plot twists. If they pull yes. out John Kramer from the Saw movies and go, he's alive, everyone will be like, what? How is that possible? And then at the very end, 1991 or something like that. Mm-hmm. That that's that that's not the first time actually I've heard that. Uh, very interesting way of, of storytelling. I will say I loathe the Final Destination uh, franchise past the first one because I actually had thought the first one was actually quite interesting. The first one's but, good. I really like the first yeah, one. Yeah, that's getting rebooted the, the, by the way. Oh, good because everyone was asking for that. Uh, the final one, you know, having it actually twist into the first one, that was amazing. I will say that mm-hmm. caught everyone off guard. So, yeah, th- this this could be very very interesting and another movie I won't see. I'll just rely on you to to give us the honest to God truth on your movie reviews. Also, sorry, I can't see Antlers in February just because it's not coming out in February. It has no, a it's not unreleased release date now. Yeah, which oh, which. which it's so disappointing, but you know that means I, I guess their confidence is going to make money that they're willing to push it still, uh, because if they weren't going to, there'd be no need for them to push it. They just need to get out and recoup as much as they could, or put it so, on demand somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So that that is, I have no problem waiting. 
to hear your review, um, and I do appreciate you sacrificing to oh, yeah. do that. Um, so depending uh, on if it it's might... good or not, it might actually be a sacrifice, like antebellum or something. <laughs> now here's the one that I'm sure is going to make some people angry. My prediction about Ghostbusters Afterlife. I think we already know that the original members of the Ghostbusters, the living members like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, uh, they will be reprising their roles. I think one of the original cast members of Ghostbusters will become a ghost themselves. Ooh, okay. So you think that's what they're teasing in the trailer then? No, I think there's still going to be like an actual like creature oh. event, but I think something will happen that causes one of them maybe to die and they become a ghost at the end that helps the team or just a fun ghost on the side. I don't know. I, I just can't help the feeling that that's one of the ways to pass the baton to the next generation. Whether okay. it's, um, I'll also say, and this could also be fan wish fulfillment here, but this isn't my, in my notes. So I'm coming up with this on the spot. I think there's going to be a surprise cameo in Ghostbusters from one Wayne Selinski, also known as, oh, what, why am I blanking on the actor's name? Dark Helmet from Spaceballs. Um, a movie I've never seen. So you've never I seen Spaceballs? No, I've only seen portions of it. I've never seen it all the way through. I know, I know, I just I just lost all the re- remaining respect left I had, I know. What? Who Who's the guy from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Uh, yeah, it's, I've never seen that movie either, so... You are um, the worst person to ask this question to. I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But yeah, I might. Michael, could you see that actually happening? Um, uh, sure. I don't know. I don't know anything about. This. No, could you see the ghost <laughs> thing happening? Oh, sorry. Uh, yes. I that would be a good way. I mean, what better way? Rick Moranis. To... Yeah. Rick yeah, Moranis okay. will cameo okay. in Ghostbusters. Uh, I'm calling it now. Uh, that that would be listen. It would be a good way to tie in the people from the '80s like, who love it, preserve preserve a little bit of what's there, make something new, but also just add a little bit of mystery. I mean, like that. It's a creative way. You need to be a producer of some sort, Nate. I, I tell you, you are you are at least a, some in the creative team somewhere because you are a lot of the things that you pitch, even the stuff I'm not interested in, I'd consider being interested in. So, uh <laughs> I hope it happens, but you're setting. See, the problem is, is you're setting me up for disappointment. <laughs> I'm setting the standard too high for you, there, buddy. Yes, you. I'm gonna blame you, and you're gonna find that rather unpleasant when none of this stuff happens. Okay. Oh no, you're gonna be more mad when I say my 2021 announcements that are coming out of things that'll oh. be announced in 2021. Then you'll be mad at no me. Um, but finish out my horror section. Halloween Kills. Of course, I gotta have some things to say about my most, one of my most anticipated movies of the year, my most anticipated horror movie. So they've said that the body count for this movie will be like the highest in the Halloween franchise, and they're saying that this will be like the Empire Strikes Back of the Halloween universe of like everybody is in danger. So in the original Halloween and in Halloween 2018, the main character was uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's Lori. And she's a grandmother now. She's got Karen, her daughter, and then uh, Allison, her granddaughter. Well, Empire Strikes Back, there needs to be some stakes. I think Jamie Lee Curtis will survive because she needs to have one final square off with Michael Myers in Halloween ends the year after. I don't think her daughter is safe, though. I think Karen 
Laurie oh. Strode's daughter will die and will be killed off, which gives more fuel to the fire of the rivalry between Michael Myers and Laurie Strode. I don't think Karen is safe. I think Allison is probably safe. They might want to set her up to be the net, the new Laurie going forward. I think Jamie Lee Curtis will survive. I don't think Karen survives. And anybody that was alive in the original Halloween, like Tommy Doyle, Lindsay Wallace, Sheriff Brackett, uh, Nurse Marion, all of them are going to die. If Michael missed you the first time, you're not going to be lucky enough to survive the second time. I don't think any OG cast members will survive that are coming back for this one. It'll all come down to Laurie and Michael for Halloween ends because there will be no one left. Um, but my big prediction, there was something big missing from Halloween 2018. As much as I liked it, the final battle took place in Laurie Strode's more or less warehouse of a house, like a death trap. Mm-hmm. What happened to Michael Myers' house? I don't think the final fight in Halloween Kills takes place in Michael Myers' house. But I think the Myers' house will return for sure. If not at the very end of Halloween Kills, at some point we will see Michael Myers' house. Maybe and ends, we set up one final showdown between Michael and Laurie in the Myers' house. Hey, you made me burn down my home, now I burn down yours. But I think we will see the return of one of the most iconic locations in the Halloween franchise in Halloween Kills with the Michael Myers house. Oh, well, those are some bold predictions. In fact, you've actually alluded to some of those things uh, earlier at the end of 2020 with the podcast. So I know how, I know how um, you know dedicated you are to this particular genre and this franchise. My question for you is there a storyline they can go with that's that would be really disappointing that's on the table? Not not something that's unre- that's ridiculous. I'm not asking like yeah they could do this and that would be stupid. But is there another potential storyline or a way they could take this movie that you would find disappointing or something you wouldn't want to see? Well, um, we've already done magic at one point in the Halloween franchise, so it can't get any worse than Michael Myers being stopped by magic stones. Um. Yeah, I it, I trust the people involved. I don't think they'll go anything too stupid because Halloween has already been down some stupid roads. As long as we don't have Michael Myers going to space or anything, it can't be that bad. Um, we save that for Friday the 13th or the Leprechaun series. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to do anything too stupid for this. Even if they killed off Laurie Strode in this one, I think they would do it with a lot more tact and dignity than she's died in the previous movies before. Um, so last but not least for my general 2021 movie predictions, the suicide squad, this one's going to be bonkers and it's going to be fun. So when we got that teaser at DC fandom, we saw who all's in the movie and who they're playing except King shark. We saw a picture of King shark, but they never said who's playing him. I think I have a guess and Michael, you're going to really dig it. I think the big, huge shark man who eats people alive will be voiced by Taika Waititi. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It's going to be some, like, really, really innocent-sounding person. I think it's Taika Waititi because there's been rumors for a while that Taika is in the movie to some extent. I think his voice would be perfect for King Shark. There's this big, terrifying shark voiced by... I've got some rocks, and I tried to start a revolution, but I didn't print off enough pamphlets. Like, (laughs) I would be 100% on board with that. Like, just imagine he has, like, just 
He's eating a man in half. He's got legs sticking out of his face, out of his jaw, just going, are you going to finish that? Would any of you happen to have a napkin that I could borrow? Of just something so calming about that, I think would fit the tone the Suicide Squad is going for completely. Now, I won't say he's the craziest character, though. We're in the dark about certain characters. Um, specifically, Nathan Fillion's character was just labeled as TDK in the teaser trailer. I think James Gunn is going to have a lot of fun at his friend Nathan Fillion's expense. And Nathan Fillion will be playing the comic book character. And yes, this is actually a person. Arm fall off boy. I have no words. And Michael is broken. If there was ever a character that screamed James Gunn, it's arm fall off boy. May, may I even, I don't even want to ask this question. May I ask what that person did? Why are they, what, what is their superpower? Their, their arms pop off like Legos. But if and... you look at the graphic in the teaser trailer for the Suicide Squad, it just says TDK with arms crossed over with what looks like bone in the middle. So it looks like they pop off. I think they basically spelled it out that he's playing arm fall off boy, which that's why they're not saying what his name is so that they can name him that in the movie. And it'd be a really funny thing. I think there's going to be less than four people that actually survive this movie from the main team. I think we're going to kill off a lot of people and polka dot man will be one of the people that survives. Yeah. So who, so who survives polka dot man, Harley Quinn, uh, Rick Flag and uh, Weasel. That's okay. it. I think everyone else will die. And All people right. will be like, well, John Cena's doing Peacemaker. He's doing an HBO series. That's a prequel. We don't know. That doesn't guarantee that he's surviving. I think a lot of people are going to die in this. Uh, last but not least, it's the one that I have said on the show before. I think they're keeping the villain of the Suicide Squad a mystery, at least for the time being. And I think it's better that way. Um, I'm so confident about this prediction. And I'm going to say spoiler alert on this one because I'm pretty confident in my prediction of who the villain is for the Suicide Squad. And I think it's actually the Justice League villain, Starro the Conqueror, will secretly be the villain. For those that don't know, Starro was the very first ever villain for the Justice League. But he's not necessarily one that's going to be in a movie anytime soon. He's a gigantic starfish with the powers of hypnosis that can attach smaller versions of himself, part of his legion, to other people's faces to make them do his bidding. Um, evil gigantic starfish plus James Gunn equals a win in my book. I, It seems so out of left field that I think that's the case. There's been some hints that that may be true, but I, I think we're going Starro the Conqueror. Because it's a deep dive, and the Suicide Squad so far has had a deep dive of characters in terms of, wow, really pulling out some obscure ones here. Yeah, I mean, I already want to see this film, and that that would just add to the wackiness, and also fit it fits the story, it fits the director, and kind of the the lunacy that has been the trailer. So, hey, man, I hope you're right. And the fact, what what makes you so confident, like of all things? Um, just. Because it would fit James Gunn's style, and also, I think there was one or two set photos that I saw that had little tiny either fish legs or little parts of starfish on a box somewhere. Okay. okay. Um, 
But also, Star of the Conqueror makes sense as a Suicide Squad-level threat. Like, the first Suicide Squad, you should not have sent the Suicide Squad in. That doesn't make sense. You send in Superman or somebody else. Like, you need a threat that's manageable or believable for the Suicide Squad to be able to take care of, as opposed to, this is a Justice League-level threat. I think Starro might be that. Okay, fair enough. And, and so he's not, like, he's not the biggest threat in the world, so you, that's why you would send an expendable team? Yeah, basically. Okay. Right, I'd send sense. in a whole bunch of troops that could be picked off easily so last but not least we're going with stuff that we believe will be announced at some point in 2021 not for movies that will be coming out in 2021 but things that big major announcements that'll shake up the movie news in 2021 case in point one of my biggest announcements that i think will happen in 2021 the fantastic four in the mcu will finally be cast at some point in 2021 we will have our fantastic four cast Yes. Okay. Now, do you have any predictions on who they might do this for? Can I ask you? You know, I'm super, super basic. I think they're sticking with what we all want. I think it's going to be Krasinski and Blunt. I really do. If anything, throw in a slight twist. If it's not both of them, I think it'll be just John Krasinski. If we can't get both of them, it'll be just John Krasinski. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about human torture, the thing, but I do believe it will be Krasinski and Blunt. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, I'm hoping so because it just seems like a perfect combination. Um, I know what you would we would like to see for the thing and the storyline with the human torch. We've talked about that. Uh, as far as like a prediction like Marvel-wise, um, I, I, I flip-flopped back and forth, you know, as far as what would I want to – I predict, and I and Marvel just is kidding is is the wild card, but I think this is gonna be, this is gonna be something that uh, I I'm gonna predict happens in 2020. I think 2021, excuse me, is that a new head of Lucasfilm will be announced in mm, 2021. I, I I think I think that's going to happen, and it, it's gonna be done in a tasteful way. Um, and it's I I think that it's time people are feeling it and you know Kathleen got out of this this last event in December out of the way I think it's going to happen sometime in the summer. So, million dollar question: Who do you think it will be? And come on, do you think it's Dave Filoni? Not Dave Filoni. Yeah. Do you think it's John Favreau? Yeah, it's it's going to be John Favreau. Um, because he has the experience, it's not it's not right for Dave Filoni. Keep him. You don't want to have somebody like that type of creative in that role. Give it, give it to, give it to John Favreau. He can do it. I trust trust him with it, and he's done great great things with it so far. I don't see any other leading candidate, honestly. I they've I think they've groomed him for it. And uh, Kathleen, go back to producing some of the best works we've ever seen in, in film, and don't just take take that pressure off yourself. Um, I think she can take a lot of pride in, in knowing the fact that, you know, even though she split the fandom breakdown in two, but out of that became came one of the best, you know, actual like shows that we've seen in, in quite some time, and that's The Mandalorian. So um, I think she can take pride in that. And on, a, and on a good note, you know, you had Patty Jenkins signed. You got these new announcements, these new shows coming. Just just take a win. Take a win and, and just step away. That's That would be my, my hope and my prediction. I agree that I think it's John Favreau with the outside shot 
like the very, very outer left field shot. But maybe, just maybe, the outfield, the outer left field shot that if it's not Favreau, it's Kevin Feige. Because okay. he's already producing one. But that's a that's a very outer left field pick. Um, yeah. So I said, I think John Krasinski will be cast as Reed Richards in the upcoming Fantastic Four movie sometime in 2021. But he won't be directing it because I think he'll be busy with something else. I think in 2021, we will get the announcement that John Krasinski will be directing a classic Universal Monster movie. Hmm. Do you have any hopes as to what film and what monster he'd be going after? Creature None in particular. Villain? None in particular, but with his success of the, A Quiet Place and supposed success of A Quiet Place 2, we don't know yet. Um, I think it's only a matter of time before somebody gets headhunted, before he gets headhunted by some other companies to go, we want you to do uh, a big horror movie for us now too. And Universal okay. seems pretty intent on doing their own horror movies with acclaimed directors like you got um, uh, the director of Jennifer's Body doing a Dracula movie. You've got the Wolfman coming with Ryan Gosling. Um, you've got the Invisible Man that did very well. I can see John Krasinski doing a Universal Monster movie. Now there's been some rumors of him doing a Bride of Dracula movie. Um, whatever. Um, I'm fine with whatever. I'm down for whatever John Krasinski wants to do. And if he wants to do a classic Universal Monster movie, yes, please. I, I can absolutely see that happening in 2021. Um, could, could you could you see him doing maybe Creature from the Black Lagoon, or is that is that a, is that type of a monster movie? Is that just belong on sci-fi, for example? No, that could definitely work today. Um, I just don't think of him as like creature guy because the creatures oh, okay. are not the focus of A Quiet Place. They've got a fine design, but admittedly they kind of look like they were ripped off from Stranger Things. Um, like the creature design, right. nothing new. I think Creature from the Black Lagoon, you have to nail the de- design. Like, Guillermo del Toro, everyone's been wanting that for a while, but that's because that makes sense. He excels okay. in creature design. Um, I got some Star Wars, a horror one, and a lot of DC stuff. What what you want there, Michael? You pick from uh, the menu. Yeah, let's go through horror first because it's, it's, not, it's not my least favorite, but it's just uh, I'd rather end with stuff that I know more about. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I'm ending with the DC one because that, that's my big one. Um, okay. This will, I'm sure some people will be like, that's not legally possible. I don't care. I think we'll be getting the announcement of new Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street movies in 2021. The reason we haven't had any Nightmare uh, Friday the 13th movies since 2009 is because for the past few years, there's been a legal battle between the uh, script writer of the original Friday the 13th and the director but about who actually owns the rights to the franchise because the writer didn't get proper compensation. It's been a whole ugly battle that's locked the franchise in limbo. I think that'll get resolved this year and they will waste no time in putting that in production. And as 2020 wrapped up, there were some discussions happening apparently between Rex Craven's estate as he's passed on uh, about his estate allowing more Nightmare on Elm Street movies to happen. I think with the success that Halloween has been having, I think studios will want to reboot other iconic slashers. And I think if the legal issues with Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street can get resolved, both of those franchises will get new installments announced in 2021 as Scream is looking like it's going to be a success in 2022 as well. So that's another popular franchise. I think 
both of the big dogs will want to come back soon. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's horror is having a resurgence and revisiting some of these old properties. Uh, it, there, it seems like the ground is fertile there to to reap a return, and you just got to do it well. And they've they and it's been successful, especially if you keep the budget low. Uh, focused on story, keep the budget low. Uh, there there can be some good returns there. So that's not bad. I like it. I think it's I think it has a. I mean, I don't know. I think it's more of a safe prediction. I don't think it's way out there in the middle, in the middle of nowhere. It's just because legally right now it's an it's actually an impossibility. But I don't think that sure. obstacle is going to be there for much longer. Okay. I've got one Star Wars one and Star one Star Wars one alone. This one, I think, is the softball one. Not very difficult at all. Uh, Taika Waititi's upcoming Star Wars project will be set in the High Republic era, is my guess. Yeah. That's a okay. that's a softball to me, I think. Yeah. Do you, do you think he's the right director for it? Because I ju- I'm yes. having a hard time seeing it. That's all. How I think I think no offense to you, I don't think you've seen enough of his work. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly the reason. Because uh, I've I've seen some of his other stuff. I saw Jojo Rabbit. I thought it was it was fine. Ragnarok is probably my favorite of the Thor movies. But my favorite Taika Waititi movie still to this day is What We Do in the Shadows. I actually think you would okay. love that one. That one's hysterical. Um, okay. Very dry sense of humor. But he, at the end of the day, he tells funny movies. But he still tells very good, cohesive storytelling movies with an underlying element of sadness in everything he does like Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, it's funny, but no Thor movie has kicked Thor to the curb more than Ragnarok did. True. The emotional True. turmoil that the characters have to go through that they mask with humor is ridiculous. Um, he's a fantastic storyteller. I think he is the right choice. Um, and I think they're really gung ho about doing this high Republic era and they're starting it off with books and comics you're doing that now, but you will eventually set everything in that era. There's a reason we haven't talked about the High Republic yet because there hasn't been anything really concrete. We don't right. books and comics. We don't want to talk about that a whole bunch here. But I think going forward, the, the, there'll be two eras. We will have uh, the Disney Plus stuff, which will focus on the Mandalorian era and the Thrawn fights going on. And then the movies will be set in that High Republic era, so that you don't get them really mixed up easily. Except for, you know... Acolyte. That and then the Patty Jenkins movie, which is going to take place after Episode Nine. Yeah, um, whatever. So, that could be its yeah. own thing, though. Yeah, no, sure. I just... You know, I, I'm... I'm glad you can at least give me some confidence, because I, I just... I haven't seen enough from him, so I don't really... I don't have a baseline. So that's why I that's why I wanted to ask. So the thanks. One that, the one that's in my Netflix queue that I need to watch, I might watch that tomorrow, is uh, one of his first movies called The Hunt for the Wilder People. So I'll let you know how it is next week. I've heard that one's really, really good. Okay. Um, do you got so, any more? No, I don't, man. I this this Alrighty. year, it, 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 I usually, I'll say, usually I'm a, a lot better at this, and I, I do apologize. It's just that, I mean, the prediction is that for all of 2021 is that from a movie standpoint, I wouldn't expect movies to start kicking into gear until around June. Uh, I think it's going to be a slow rollout, but once they do, I think overall, I think you're going to see a return to the movie theaters like we had always seen. It. I, I've, I've been positive. I know that's not that's just an, that's not an announcement, but I'll, I'll just say as an overall an announcement, it's going to be movie theater return and comeback. Is we're back and we're not we're not going anywhere. We have some innovations we need to make. 
there's different markets out there, but we are still the main stop for big blockbuster entertainment, uh, and we haven't we have not replaced it yet. And I, I think that's that's going to do the industry well. The announcement is we're back. Uh, that's my prediction. So because it's me, I need to close out with some DC predictions. Um, I think we will get our first trailer for The Flash sometime in 2021, probably in the tail end of it. But if it's supposed to come well, out in 2022, really? we'll get a, okay. I think we'll get a trailer for The Flash. But that's not the surprising thing. So we've seen they're adding a lot of people to the cast of The Flash because he's supposedly exploring different universes. We've got Ben Affleck's Batman, Michael Keaton's Batman. Well, in correlation with Michael Keaton's Batman... I think Nicolas Cage will be added to the Flash movie as Superman. And I just broke Michael. Well, I mean, there was that time where he actually was Superman. And that's exactly why I'm doing it. I think Nicolas Cage is the Superman of the Burtonverse. And I think... They'll do that as a fun tip of the cap to the like diehard comic book movie fans that have more or less followed the world of entertainment for a while. But also might be a tip of the cap to the other multiverse movie that more or less started the trend of multiverses with Into the Spider-Verse. Because for those that remember, there was a one Nicolas Cage in Into the Spider-Verse as Spider-Man Noir. Um, and I said last year in my predictions that I think Nicolas Cage will join either the MCU or the DCEU. I'm still sticking with that, and I think he slots in perfectly with the Flash movie as Superman to finally pay off his thing as Superman in the unmade um, The Death of Superman. Uh, no, it's Superman Lives. It was The Death of Superman Lives is a really good documentary. Um, yeah, Nicolas Cage is almost Superman, and I think he will reprise his role for The Flash. That's that's my craziness. That's why I'm almost out of left field, but not quite. Um, I actually think we're due for a bunch of DC movie announcements because we know the DC movies that are coming out this year. We know the ones that are coming out next year with uh, Aquaman 2, The Batman, and then we know the stuff that's coming out in 2023 with like Black Adam, uh, Shazam 2, we know up until 2023, that's two years out. I think sure. we get a big slew of projects announced and go into active development sometime in 2021 because HBO Max made it uh, and Warner Bros. Made it, made it clear. Starting in 2022, we're going to have four theatrically released movies and two movies on HBO Max yep. every year. You got to announce what those are sometime soon. So I bet sure. you anything we're going to get a bunch of DC movies and projects announced sometime in 2021. With two of them being Batman Beyond and a mm. Teen Titans movie. Stop. St- you, I, I will come down to Florida and slap you across the face if that doesn't happen. You cannot <laughs> do this to me. You really did save the best for last. That, oh, my nope. gosh. This isn't my oh, last one. It's not the last. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm about I'm about to get up from this chair. Are you kidding me? You think they're going to do this? Oh, I think they will. Because, because, other than Shazam, and even then, Shazam's kind of pushing it, DC has not had a specifically family-friendly superhero movie. They're trying to reach all demographics. Teen Titans would reach that young teen demographic. This could still be a long way off, and this could be an HBO Max thing. So could Batman Beyond. 
I think this will happen. If they're not getting a Justice League movie anytime soon, we will get some form of a team-up. And oh, I think that's man. Teen Titans. I really do. Oh, that would be so amazing. Oh, my gosh. Now, do you think whoever plays Robin in Teen Titans would play uh, and would be the person to play in Batman Begins? In Batman Begins, I will slap you through this call right now. Well, I know that, you know, here's the thing. Robin does not equal Batman Beyond. Yeah, but I mean, like, couldn't you couldn't you spin it to where it's like a, where it's a Nightwing and uh, you can use the same, never mind. Just, There's I'll like a 40 on. year difference. Well, Nightwing I mean, is a hey. grown old man in Batman Beyond era. Oh, see, okay, I don't know that, okay? I'm just Bat- thinking that... that you could... That's why it's called Batman Beyond. It's set in the future. Really? Because I thought Batman Beyond was like the... Because I always thought he was like a different Batman who was like he a lot more agile. He is a different agile. Batman, but it's set in like the like 50 years from the main Batman storylines. Oh, I never knew that. See, I, I never knew that at all. No. I, just, I think I just we'll get a Batman Beyond. That's why we get okay. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton will be the old Batman that teaches Batman Beyond. I do believe that's happening. And Teen okay. Titans, which will be a separate Earth. Um, okay. I won't say Robin yet, because I think that's going to be in Matt Reeves' Batman. If it's not in the first one, it's in the second one. No, Teen Titans as a movie is not my big prediction. It's my big prediction every year, but I'm going to change it a little bit. In 2021, a new Superman movie will be announced with Henry Cavill returning. But... J.J. Abrams will be involved as a producer. He will not be directing it. He will not be writing it. And it will not be a sequel to Man of Steel or Batman vs. Superman. It will be a completely fresh start for Superman, but still keeping Henry Cavill. I think... Do you you think they could pull that off successfully? Yes. Yes. Because of the Flash movie. Okay. I think they're going right. to try and use the Flashpoint as a springboard for everything. And that's been the plan for a lot of years. I think they want to keep Henry Cavill. J.J. Abrams ha- almost had Henry Cavill back when he did Superman Flyby all those years ago. I think he is keeping Cavill. It's just a matter of, will we keep the continuity of Man of Steel? And I think J.J. is going to want the creative freedom to do whatever he wants. So he'll keep Cavill as Superman but do his own thing. So maybe Pa Kent is still alive. Maybe Jimmy Olsen's still alive. It's not just a fan wish. I think JJ will want that full creative autonomy. I think that's what he'll want. That being said, the rumors right now is that he's looking for writers, which makes me think he's not the one actively directing this, but he's the one overseeing its development. I think he will be a producer. I've been gung-ho that... J.J. Abrams will be doing a Superman movie. I'm less gung-ho that he will now be directing it as opposed to being the one that's really advocating for this, like Christopher Nolan was with Man of Steel. I think he's the one really driving it, but he won't be the one directing it. But rest assured, in this year, I really am confident that we will get a Superman movie announced with Henry Cavill returning. Uh, I am... I'm hoping for it, pal. Uh, For for you and for all of us, because... Um, I really like the character of Superman, and I want to see him done well and done right. Uh, Man of Steel, some a- elements I thought were really good. Other elements, not so great, and really just couldn't stand what they did with him thereafter. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, let's. Here's to hoping. Here is to hoping, man. Although it's some good stuff. I, I swear, some of the stuff doesn't come true. I'm blaming you, and you're and again. You're gonna find it very unpleasant. Yep. But you signed the waiver, as did our listeners at I, home. I did. Fair enough. I did. Well, what do you guys think? What are some of your big predictions? What do you think is going to happen in the world of movies in 2021? Are you just happy that we're in, not in 2020 anymore? Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.